are on air for Fan for Racing, NASCAR Race Review of Bristol. Uh, a couple of races this past weekend uh, at uh, Bristol, and they did not disappoint. Both races were pretty good racing. And uh, joining me tonight is our co-host for tonight. Sal, unfortunately, is not available. I don't know if that's my phone. Okay. Uh, Sal, unfortunately, is not available, but uh, joining us for tonight's show is going to be Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Uh, thank you, Sharon. Uh, we're getting back to some sense of uh, normalcy. We're doing a night show, not an afternoon show, but it is Tuesday instead of Monday, <laughs> so uh, still working back to the regular regular routine, right? Yes, indeed. If that ticking keeps happening, I might have to call you back. I don't know if it's my phone or, or what's going on, but I, I hear a ticking every now and then. Um, but anyway, yes, I'm excited that uh, we were able to watch a Monday night race, but at the same time it meant that we needed to reschedule our uh, Fan for Racing NASCAR race review to Tuesday night instead. Okay, so well, it had it had gone away, but now I hear it. Yeah, I hear it too. Okay, um, I'm going to kind of give an overall of what the schedule is going to be for tonight. Uh, during our first half hour, we are going to provide a few updates. Uh, the Arkham Menard series is gearing up. They will be coming back on June the 13th, so we'll have some updates for you with regard to the Arkham Menard series uh, and the Arca East and Arca West. And then also, uh, we have a few updates here from the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series that we can uh, provide everybody during this first half hour. During the second half hour tonight, we're going to review the uh, race that took place last night at Bristol Motor Speedway, and we will have some post-race audio from the race winner, Noah Gregson. Uh, then a review in the third half hour covers the NASCAR Cup Series race at Bristol. That race took place on Sunday, and again, we will have post-race audio from the race winner, Brad Keselowski. He snuck one in there. Um, And then, of course, 10 o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with co-host Andy Lasky and our fan for racing crew. And as far as I know, I think everybody's going to be there. Okay. It sounded it sounded like it. I know we already had some of the discussions over the weekend that we're going to obviously going to talk about tonight. So hopefully everybody is here and on board tonight because we do have a couple of hot topics uh, yet again. Yes, we do, uh, and I know I bet I know which one we're going to start with. Um, but anyway, uh, that's at ten o'clock. So we'll try not to get into it during our review of the races. Uh, But let's start with the updates, because uh, after being off for a while, the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series uh, came back at, at, no, not Atlanta. They came back at uh, Charlotte. They raced at Charlotte. And now they are going to be racing at Atlanta this weekend. So we will cover a lot more about them with the uh, preview show that we'll have on Thursday. Um, but then, too, now we know that the Arkham Menard Series is also returning. The Arkham Menard Series East is going to be racing on um, June the 3rd, and uh, that's going to be exciting as well. Uh, 
And uh, let's see here. June 13th, I, I mean, I said June 3rd, and I mean June 13th. Uh, so a couple of the drivers uh, from the Arkham and Arts Series East will be speaking with the media tomorrow, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get some uh, thoughts about from those drivers uh, about uh, their return back to the racetrack in the Arkham and Arts Series. Well, in the, in the Arkham Menard series specifically, we're talking about the East uh, with that return to Toledo on June 13th. I know they had also already rescheduled the Five Flag Speedway race, which I believe will be sometime in October. I don't have that date readily available. But that those are two of the races they were able to reschedule already. They had a little bit more complex uh, package to work with, being that they're kind of a Midwestern, uh, Midwestern series and the tracks that they're dealing with that they had to work a little bit harder, if you will, Uh, just like NASCAR had some alternate tracks they could go to as states opened back up and they got approval. Um, Some of the tracks and states that the Arkham Menard series was dealing with aren't as open yet, Uh, still have some hot spots with the Corona virus still going around. So, We'll have to wait and see what they can do. But, again, I know they're working real hard. Excited to see the East, at least, here coming back to Toledo Speedway. I was waiting to see Sharon. I think was going to try calling back in, uh, see if we could eliminate that ticking sound. Uh, hopefully it isn't. If the fans aren't hearing it, we were within our headsets anyway. If not, I might have to reattempt the same thing. Yeah, I'm getting it there right. back again. So, anyway, uh, we'll try to make the best of it uh, as best we can here. Um, but I want to – did you refer everybody to the ARCA Racing website? I had not. I just talked about the return of the East Series there to Toledo and a little bit about Five Flags um, rescheduling theirs for in October. And if you want to take over for a little bit, I'll try recalling back in as well. Okay, that sounds good. Okay, All right. so um, – so getting back to some of the updates here with regard to the series, uh, the Arkham Menards series, uh, as we mentioned, is returning on June the 13th. I think I said June the 3rd before, and I meant June the 13th. And uh, that will be at Toledo Speedway. So uh, that's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, a couple, the, We're talking with uh, Ty Gibbs and with uh, Sam Mayer tomorrow, and uh, those guys are running for championships in the Arkham and Art Series East. And uh, also, uh, I know Sam Mayer is racing also for the Sioux Chiefs Showdown. I think maybe Ty Gibbs is as well. I have to take another look at that. But um, these guys are really, really, yeah, they are both racing for that Sioux Chiefs Showdown. So uh, you may recall that... um, uh, Ty Gibbs has uh, had a few wins in the Arkham Menard series. He's won two times just last year uh, at the, at the uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, and then also at uh, Salem Speedway. He's uh, also, in addition to the Arca East Championship, he is going to be uh, chasing the Sioux Chiefs Showdown title as well. Uh, and then Sam Mayer, 
you'll recall that Sam actually is last year's champion in the Arca Menard Series East. It was then known as the Canon Pro Series East. Uh, he drives the number 21 for GMS Racing. Uh, Ty Gibbs, of course, the 18 Monster Energy uh, Toyota for uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, so he's just at just 16 years of age. He won the championship last year. He's won four times uh, in route to that championship. Let me bring Jay in here. <laughs> okay. We got you, Jay. I'm not hearing it now, so that's a good thing. All right, and I did, yeah, I redid my phone as well and my headset, so uh, that might have been it, so we got it all worked out. Okay, so uh, he's won four times uh, in route to the championship last year. Uh, he won the season opener at New Smyrna Speedway in February of this year, and he also won the season opener in the Can-Am Pro Series, I'm sorry, the Arkham Menard Series West, and that was at the Bull Ring in Las Vegas Motor Speedway in March. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier, in addition to running for the East Series title for uh, the second time in, in two years, he is also chasing the title for the Sioux Chief Showdown. So uh, those guys uh, should be fun chatting with them. Well, I think so. And uh, getting excited about that series returning. I know we only had one race in. Um, for the actual East Series, but we also had the showdown race out in Phoenix, and Sam Mayer was in, uh, I believe, two other races, looked really strong to start the season, so we'll see if that continues as he was on a mission. Yes, he was, and and uh, it is going to be uh, really fun to kind of see him. Now, of course, uh, as we mentioned, uh, I'm as far as... Uh, the series point standings, uh, I believe it's uh, Sam Mayer that's leading in both of those series. I do have the uh, east side pulled up right now, and he certainly is winning there again, having won that first race. But it's only a two-point lead over Derek Griffith and a five-point lead over Ty Gibbs. Uh, I talked about those two being a, a media presentation tomorrow. Then you got Nick Sanchez at seven back and Giovanni Bramani at eight back. Okay. Uh, and and that's uh, pretty tight then uh, for the early part of the season. He is also leading in the West. Sam Mayer is first. Uh, right behind him is Jesse Love, another young driver uh, and new this season. He is six points back. And Blaine Perkins, somebody that we've uh, talked to several times before, he is eight points back in third place. Gracie Trotter, uh, new this year, is nine points back and ten points back. In fifth place is Trevor Huddleston for the top five there. All right. Take a look, quick peek here at the uh, overall um, Arkham Menards. That one is two races in. Michael Self, your points leader there with one out of the two wins, the two top fives, leads by 12 points over Haley Deegan. Drew Dollar, Tanner Gray, and Thad Moffitt. Uh, your top six all making both races. Brett Holmes, the other one being six spot, 26 back, and there is a tie there for fifth and sixth. Uh, so that one, again, mm-hmm. also going to be very interesting, especially as we see who's going to run the full schedule on the main series. Yes, uh, and how that schedule is going to look. So, 
Uh, as far as the two chief showdown, uh, right now they only have one race in the books, and it looks like Chandler Smith has the lead there. Uh, Michael Self is just one point behind him, and one point behind him is Ty Gibbs, and Tanner Gray is one point back uh, in fourth place. Zane Smith, one point back in fifth place. So uh, each driver is just one point difference because it's only one race uh, that they have into uh, the schedule so far. There will be ten races in this Sioux Chief Showdown for 2020, and those races include Phoenix, Salem, Mid-Ohio, LOR, uh, which is Lucas Oil Raceway, Elko, Iowa, Gateway, the Glen, Bristol, and Memphis. Now, that's the schedule prior to the uh, shutdown. So I, how that's going to look uh, when they come back, I'm not 100% sure, but that's the information as we have it right now. And that's one, I mean, obviously the situation wasn't good all the way around, but the, this being the inaugural year of that Sioux Chief showdown with all three series coming together, uh, and it being points for the showdown itself uh, really was intriguing this year. Like you said, hopefully we'll see how the full schedule uh, or modified schedule plays out. Again, NASCAR is doing everything they can. Their plan is to get in all the races, albeit they might not be at the same tracks as originally scheduled. They want to still hit that same number mark at the very minimum. And they're doing a phenomenal job, at least on the Cup, Xfinity and Truck Series already. And as the Midwest opens up a little bit more, looking at what they can do with this Arkham Menard series, both the regular series East-West and then the showdown. So still a lot of work ahead of them for that. Absolutely. And I just want to take a minute here to refer everybody to ArcaRacing.com. They have some really fantastic articles uh, at that website about what's happening within the Arkham Menard series. And uh, as we prepare for racing to return in this series, uh, it would be a good idea to kind of catch up. Uh, they've got some really great uh, uh, crew chief uh, focuses here uh, and focuses on some of the drivers as well. Uh, and the tracks. They've got uh, a track spotlight here as well. So really a good job there at the com, Or it's just arcaracing.com if you want to check that out. All right. All year round. Yes, they do. They they do a fantastic job all year round. Okay, now I do want to uh, get into the truck series here too before we start reviewing uh, the Xfinity and Cup series at Bristol. Uh, They did not race this weekend. They had a week off, uh, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, they are going to be returning to the track at Atlanta. Uh, this weekend, and we'll give uh, a lot more information about this series on the preview show on Thursday night. Uh, But just to kind of give some preliminary info here and catch everybody up to speed, uh, the Vet Kicks Camping World 200 will be at at Atlantis this Saturday, June the 6th at 1 p.m. You have pre-race on FS1 and MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Uh, last year's winner in that race was Kyle Busch, and a lot of people wonder if he's going to win again this year. Uh, I know he usually he, what he's been doing is running the first five races 
and uh, getting his five races done at the beginning of the season. Well, it doesn't matter whether he does it early in the season, later in the season, whatever. Uh, obviously, he's going to be <laughs> tough to beat. We'll talk about that a little bit here coming up with the uh, review of the Charlotte race. Um, it can be done, but it does take some work. Yes, it does. Uh, but for now, let's kind of catch everybody up with how the uh, point standings look. All right, run through. Uh, we'll take a look at the uh, top of the points here for the Gander Truck Series. Austin Hill is your leader at 120 points. Second place, 17 back, is Johnny Sauter and Zane Smith in a tie at 103 points. Johnny Sauter having the advantage with the better finish throughout the year so far. Fourth spot goes to Ben Rhodes at 99, puts him 21 back. Brett Moffat is 22 back. We have a little bit of a gap. Sheldon Creed is 30 back. Grant Infinger is 39 back. Now, he does have a win to carry him forward into the playoffs. And then you have Christian Eckes at 42, minus 42. Tyler Ankrum at minus 44. And Cody Robot at minus 48. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Yep, and that's the ten because again, the ten is the cutoff line. I'd have to go to Jayski to see who's uh, behind them in that. Um, but those are the ten right now that would be your playoff contending drivers come playoff time. And actually, there's two drivers that have wins in the truck series. That would be Brett Moffat as well as Grant Infinger. Uh, they both have already punched their ticket to the playoffs, and so the other drivers are trying to to get their ticket punched and uh, also be able to uh, get in on a win versus points. Okay, now we also want to give everybody just a reminder about how they will uh, set the lineup as well as a pit stall selection uh, for this race at Atlanta on June the 6th. Same process will be used for Miami on June 13th. Uh, So uh, what they're going to do is... uh, the positions 1 through 10 will be a random draw of teams in those positions in the owner points. So based on the owner points, positions 1 to 10 will have their own random draw. Then that random draw goes down for 11 to 21 and 22 to 32. Uh, those are all random draws within their respective segments. Now, any vehicles that are available for the event in position 33 to 40, will be assigned to starting positions based on their order of eligibility. Now, the, like the other two series, the pit stall selections are going to be ordered based on their finishing position from the previous race. So they'll look at their finishing positions from Charlotte, and that's how they'll be able to, that's where their pit stall selection will be when they arrive at um, Atlanta. Uh, now, at the end of pit row will be those new entries in the order of points. So just a quick reminder there. I know a lot of people have seen that process already in place with NASCAR's other two series, uh, but they're using the same process in the truck series. And it certainly has made an interesting uh, process there with the starting position doing that random draw and then understand that pit stall selection is very important as well. So they're doing the best they can to try and keep it equal and fair. Normally throughout the year, it's based on point standings and then previous event. 
uh, in the event of a rain out, whereas this was going to be long-term, not just a one-week situation. So, again, NASCAR did a great job of coming up with a plan, being flexible, but trying to keep it fair as well. So I, I really do kind of like that. Yeah, I do too. I think they've done a good job. In fact, I think they've done an excellent job, all things considered. Okay, now that right, bounty. Well, okay. <laughs> Like I mentioned earlier, the bounty was acquired. I know we had this discussion of whether or not it was still going to be in place. It was. They adjusted it to where it was going to go to charity now instead, based off the current situation in the world. But the bounty hunter, Chase Elliott, set out to uh, capture that win Tuesday night at Charlotte Motor Speedway and did so on his first try. So the bounty is now closed out. As in the closing laps of that North Carolina Education Lottery 200, Elliott held off the hard-charging Cal Bush to earn the victory and a $100,000 bounty, which will be paid to a COVID-19 relief charity of his choice, uh, which was offered to any full-time NASCAR Cup Series driver who could beat Bush in the Gander Truck Series. Now, the impressive thing here is Elliott hadn't been behind the wheel of a truck since 2017, and he made it happen despite the fact that Bush had won each of his last seven Races started in the Gander Outdoor Truck Series. Now, going a little bit of history there, the, the idea of the bounty all started when it was Cup Series driver Kevin Harvick and chairman and CEO of Gander RV and Outdoors, Marcus Limonis, each put up $50,000 following the Las Vegas event for, the, again, any Cup driver who could beat Bush in a Truck Series race. Now, again, the money is being donated to Corona Relief, Coronavirus Relief in Elliott's name. Uh, a little bit about the rookies. We we always talk about these, especially here in the truck series. Okay. Now the Sonoka Rookie of the Year contender uh, is is that what you're talking about? Zane Smith uh, yep. third in his uh, first National Series start at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Had never run there before. He's from the West Coast. So this was a completely new environment for him, and he went out there and finished third. Brett Moffat finished fourth. Sheldon Creed rounded out the top five. John Hunter Nemechek uh, was also going after the bounty. He finished sixth, and Johnny Sauter finished seventh, followed by Tyree Majeski, Austin Hill, and Ben Rhodes. Now, Tuesday's race marked the return of the Gander Trucks, which had been off since February 21st at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Now they enter an off, the off weekend, uh, which was the Bristol weekend, and uh, the Xfinity and Cup Series uh, raced at Bristol Motor Speedway. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's going to be fun to see the track, the trucks back on track at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Well, and the one thing I get excited about, again, as we kind of work back into a normal schedule, uh, that we get to see all three at the same track on the same weekend as we're going to see here coming up in Atlanta Motor Speedway. So, again, that returns to that feeling of somewhat normalcy as as we get further into this deal. And I know uh, maybe we'll get to it in hot topics. There is some discussion as NASCAR has put out races through June 21st, I believe, at this point. Initially, it was put out that that would all be with no fans. Again, as things change and are fluid, there is discussion. Maybe they might be able to change that and we'll have to wait and see if they can and how they go about it i'm sure it'll be limited again they're going to do this in stages and do it the proper way and you know bring in a certain number of fans versus opening it wide open 
Yeah, so there's more news to look forward to there for absolutely sure uh, for NASCAR fans. Uh, And that should be coming uh, fairly soon uh, with June already starting their schedule and uh, a lot uh, going on here. So, all right, we've got a couple minutes here, Jay. Uh, Do you want to give an update after Bristol on the uh, fantasy group for the Fan for Racing crew? All right, we'll start with the truck series since we just wrapped up talking about them. Uh, again, they've had three races so far, and there was an error in our notes there uh, that we were looking at somehow or another. So far this year, Grant Enford are the only Truck Series regular to have gotten a win. Uh, I don't know where they had Brett Moffitt's stats listed from, but so far it's been Enfinger, Kyle Busch, and Chase Elliott uh, that have victories oh, okay. in the in the Truck Series. Um, again, Grant Enfinger being the only regular to have done so so far. But when we look yeah, at our I was fantasy points, so. okay, thanks. Yeah, well, that's why I said I looked at it and I went back to Jayski and, and double checked that. Um, looking at, at the truck series here, in those three races that we've had for fantasy points, Sam has nope. I take that back. Owen is at ten. We have a three-way tie for second at nine points between Sam, Andy, and Sharon. I am sitting at six. Mike is at five. And James is at three. And I believe so far going into Atlanta, uh, yes, myself, I had to go, got to go first, I guess, being that I went la- or was last in the previous race at Charlotte. So I took the gimme. I got Kyle Busch going into that. James took Todd Gillen. And Sharon just uh, took the rookie. We just talked about having a good run, Zane Smith. So those are our three picks so far headed into Atlanta. I believe Sam is up next for all of the series as we get all our picks in before this weekend. Okay. Well, that sounds pretty good. Uh, You want to go ahead and do the Xfinity since we're doing them next? All right. When we look at the Xfinity series, Andy's got a little bit of a gap there at 28 points to 20 over Sam and Sharon in a tie. Uh, At 16 points there, Mike at 14, Owen at 13, and James at 6. And I don't know. There again, we got three picks in so far there as well. Unfortunately for another race, I had to go first. I went with Justin Haley. James took Chase Briscoe. Okay, those are the only two we got in so far. So there again, uh, Sam is up next. And then I'll recap with the Cup Series real quick, being that we still got another couple minutes. Okay. Uh, The Cup Series got quite a few races in. This one, the points is tight, and it shifted multiple times. Right now, Andy took the point lead back at 39 over to 38 over myself. Sharon is now at 32. Owen is at 30. And then Sam is at 27. James at 23. And Mike at 8. Now, that one, obviously, Mike coming in late. Uh, quite a few more races in the book, so Mike a little bit lower in that one. But that puts the overall. Uh, Andy has gapped uh, 76 to 61. Sharon's in second at 61. Overtook me. I'm at 60. Sam right there at 56, followed by Owen at 53. James at 32, and Mike at 27. And again, have so much fun with this this fantasy thing we do. Having seven people in there, that changes the point systems, especially when we come to the playoffs, and it's going to double up. So really mm-hmm. looking forward to the rest of the season with this. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun all season long, I think. Uh, and and I, I, too, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens there. 
Okay, now then, I just want to remind fans, too, we do have our chat room open over at fanfracing.com. If you uh, have any comments or if you have any topics that you want to make sure that we discuss uh, during our hot NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off segment, uh, post those topics over there at our chat room uh, at fanfracing.com. Uh, when you get to the site, just make sure you scroll down. You'll see the uh, radio show promo, and then uh, at the bottom of that promo is where that chat room is. And there's a little comment box at the bottom of that that you can uh, write your comments in. Okay, so with that, Jay, uh, let's go ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series. We've got a lot of time here uh, to talk during the Xfinity Series. I think I'm going to start out with the commentary. Uh, from the race winner, uh, who was Noah Gregson. Uh, he drove the number nine Junior Motorsports Chevrolet. Uh, the segment is 11 minutes and 26 seconds. Since we have the extra time today, what do you think if we uh, go ahead and play that whole segment? I think that'd be good. It'd be great to hear. Okay, let's hear what Noah Gregson had to say after winning. Uh, the Cheddar's 300 at Bristol Motor Speedway. We are now joined by Noah Gregson, winner of tonight's race. Um, Noah, can you talk us a little bit, talk us through your run tonight? Well, we uh, we had a really strong run all night in the, the top five. We, we started ninth and got up really quick. So I'm uh, just super proud of, of the number nine team. Uh, man, the, their efforts. This was one of my worst tracks leading into into this weekend, and um, put a lot of effort in with Josh Wise, Brandon McReynolds, Dave Ellens, and this nine team. They really prepared a great race car. The Plan B sales Chevrolet was was really good. So um, at the end, it was getting really dicey. The track was really really slick. I started running the top, and uh, there's nothing there. We got that caution with about ten to go, and um, Justin. He slipped up and wanted to when I was running him down, and that allowed me to get inside of him. I, I wouldn't have gotten to him if he, he didn't slip up. But uh, got into him the next corner, uh, down in one and two, and um, just just got loose underneath him. Um, we talked yesterday. I don't make excuses. I, I take responsibility. So um, I apologize for, for uh, the seven car, but I'm here to win races, and I'm here for the number nine team. And, they put in way too much effort for me to uh, to ride around and finish second. So I've always been a really aggressive driver, and um, I'm really thankful and fortunate to uh, to be able to race in the Xfinity Series. And uh, how about that? We had, uh, we had a veteran on the cars today, just noted, and uh, that was uh, that's really special to be able to honor him around the racetrack and uh, hopefully get a, a Lionel diecast now um, with his name on it. That'd be pretty damn cool. All right, well, we're going to open up the floor for questions. As a reminder, just click that participants tab at the bottom and raise your hand. We're going to get started with Bob Pockers. Go ahead, Bob. And Noah, so do you dread your team meeting on Tuesday or Wednesday? And do you have to do you speak first, or do you have to let Justin speak first? Well, I, I saw him. He said he would talk to me later. But, uh, I mean, I came to the racetrack with my, my crew chief today. I didn't come with anyone else. So, um we are a family over at Junior Motorsports, and that's not my goal is to tear up race cars. But um, I had the opportunity. The opportunity is there. Um, I don't know how many races we have left, but um, 
the opportunity can slip away, and uh, I damn well want to take advantage of it. So I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I take full responsibility for getting loose underneath them. I mean, that's that's a fact. But um, one thing that uh, you can't say is that I'm not aggressive and that I'm not going to try, and I'm sure you'll know that. I've, he probably owes me one, but if you don't slip up the lot before, I don't get to you and you drive off to victory. So, uh, I don't know. Don't, don't mess up, I, I guess. I don't know. Thank you. Thank you. All right, our next question is going to come from Claire Lang. Go ahead, Claire. Thank you. Uh, if he would have done that to you, would you be mad at him, or would you just feel like, hey, I mean, it's a tough track. You slip up. You're racing hard for it. Would it be like even Steven, I get it? Uh, I, I don't know if I could fully answer that question because I'm not in that position. I, I haven't been in that position here and uh, whatnot. So um, I, I can't fully answer that question. Um, I have a, a lot of respect for Justin and the number seven team. And like I said, we're, we're one big family at Junior Motorsports. And um, I told Ryan Pemberton my goal is not to tear your other race cars up, but uh, most of all, it, it's to get a victory lane. So. Um, roles reversed. I don't know if I could fully answer that question. We saw it happen yesterday, and, and that's no excuse. But uh, definitely, all of us race car drivers were on the limits, and uh, and I don't know if it's, it's a mistake or whatnot. But um, it ended bad for him, unfortunately. But uh, still, tremendous amount of respect for him, and um, he'll probably race me differently. But I don't know. Time will tell. That's why everyone should keep watching. I'm trying to. So when you're in the midst of that. Uh, is, is it a decision process of how hard you're going to race? Is it uh, just how you race and it's sort of instinct? Do you have time to think through, that's my teammate? Or does it not work that way when you're behind the wheel? Uh, it, it doesn't work that way for me. I'm like, I'm a pretty weird guy, so I probably think differently than a lot of people. But um, I lay in bed every night thinking about what it'd be like. I mean, for the last week, I've been thinking about what it'd be like to turn the tires off of it going up to the victory lane here. So um, that's the main focus when I go to the racetrack is step one, how can I win? Step two is how can I apologize good enough to where, I don't know, they're not too bad. Yeah. Congratulations on your win. Thank you, Claire. Mm -hmm. All right. Our next question will come from Jim Utter. Go ahead, Jim. Congrats, Noah. Uh, you obviously put in a lot of time to become – better uh, both on the track and off over the last several months. What does it feel like to get uh, to see those results come to fruition uh, so quickly this season, starting the year at Daytona with the man and then picking up another one tonight? Well, it's just confidence with the number nine team, and it's about the guys that, that are, I'm surrounded by. Um, I'm so grateful and so fortunate just to, to be able to work with Dave Owens, uh, the number nine team, I mean, they've prepared really, really good race cars and have great teammates with Michael and Justin and Daniel and Jeb, Dale, everybody. We all help each other out. So um, we're one big family, and um, I'm just super thankful to work with the number nine team at Junior Motorsports. It's it's just confidence when I go to the racetrack. I don't know if this quarantine was a bad thing for uh, me or a good thing, but um, it sounds like it's it's pretty good. Um, but, yeah, to, I don't know, kind of sum it up, I, I can't go – I can't drive that thing back to pit road after the race and finish second and look at my guys and say, I didn't try. Like, I'm going to try a winter draw. Probably it's not the best thing, but 
Um, you can't say at the end of the day I didn't try. And you really seemed like you were missing the fan element after the race tonight. Uh, where does Bristol rank as, as a place that you felt about for you for winning a race? Well, I, I suck here. Um, but Dave Owens in the nine team brought a hot rod. So that's just all all back to uh, to the Hendrick Motors department. They put some smoke under the hood, really, really strong engines. The guys in the fab shop and the body shop, everybody who – who comes together to build all four race cars at Junior Motorsports. We're all here as a team, and I think you saw the speed out of the, out of the JRM cars. So um, I'm, I'm really confident in my ability. I'm really confident in the number nine team's ability. It was a lot of fun battling with those guys up front, and, uh, and to do it with Plan B Sales was really cool, too. So uh, I'm not too good here, but I'm sure I'll, I'll be more confident going back. But uh, I don't know. I told him just put it identical to how Justin is around here, and, and I can beat them, so um, I don't know. We did it, so just thankful, really thankful. Thanks, Noah. Thank you. All right, our next question is going to come from Chase Wilhelm. Go ahead with your question, Chase. Uh, yes, Noah, have you ever um, had an incident like this with the teammate before, and if so, what did you learn from that situation and maybe apply it? That's funny. Yes, unfortunately. Um, they asked me what I do different. And uh, I said to everybody, I'd not try to wreck them. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to get into that. I don't, I don't like wrecking people. I don't wrecking, like wrecking teammates. That's not how I race. Um, I am a re- aggressive race car driver, and when you're battling for wins, I guess shit happens. But um fortunate to be in this position. Um, but like I said, I, I that's not me to wreck teammates. But uh uh, I, I leave it all out on the track, and um, it is what it is. All right. Our next question will come from Dustin Albino. Go ahead with your question, Dustin. Yeah, no, congrats on the win. Um, obviously, obviously, you guys are teammates, but would you, ex- you know, forget Justin, any teammate, would you expect retaliation in a deal like this? I don't know. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. All I can do is be on the same page as my team and, and just try to drive that thing balls to the wall and have it hung out sideways and try and go fast is really the only thing I can do is, is try to win races. So um, it is what it is, whatever happens. But uh, when you're a man and you throw a punch, you better you better be able to take a punch. So whatever happens in the future, I am don't want to say fine with, but it, it is what it is. Can't go back. and. And I continue to race hard in the future and, and try my best. If, if I can do my best, I can't do any better. So just got to keep on working at it, keep trying, and uh, keep on trying my best. Thanks, Noah. Thank you. All right, and our final question is going to come from Chris Knight. Go ahead with your question, Chris. Hey, Noah. Um, congrats on the win tonight. Thank uh, you, Chris. You got a lot of um, praise from Kyle Busch uh, throughout the whole race tonight, and I was just wondering – what that moment was like when you finally realized that it was Kyle Busch that you were talking to when you went back in the car? Well, uh, he knows how badly I suck around this place because he ripped my ass for two years when I was racing trucks here. So he knows that this is not really my track. But um, I think that's what makes it so uh, so rewarding uh, winning here is, is how much I didn't – like I liked making laps around this place. It was fun, but I wasn't very fast at it. So – um, to be able to have a lot of speed in our in our number nine Camaro and um, that that 
brings a lot of confidence myself, and it should for the guys. They should be really proud of the race car they they bring to the racetrack and everybody at Junior Motorsports. But yeah, Kyle, he he knows how badly I sucked around here, and um, he's helped me out quite a bit. I was able to race against him here last year, and uh, we were able to lead a couple laps. But um, it uh, means a lot to be able to to I guess earn a, a tiny bit of respect from him, and um, just trying to trying to earn more and more respect and. Uh, Really, I just like put on a show for the fans, and um, I know there wasn't any fans here tonight, but uh, it almost felt like sometimes under caution, I actually can hear them screaming at their TVs under caution. It's just place so badass, and uh, can't wait to come back here later in the year. Thank you, Wood. Thank you. All right, Noah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Congrats on the win, and we will see you in Atlanta this weekend. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, all for your hard work too. We really appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, I've got a feeling you and I see that uh, interview a little bit differently. Well, yeah. Um, trying to trying to do this without going too in depth to the hot topic side of it, but one yeah, thing I will say, true. I mean, he 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 was honest there in all parts of that interview. Um, when it came to himself, the incident, past incidences, the, what the future might hold. So, I mean, you got to respect that. Like I said, I, he was completely honest there about all of it. He didn't try and backpedal on anything, but he also, you know, acknowledged that, hey, it was a mistake, you know, that he caused it. He accepted that he had caused it. So, um, I think maybe a little bit of maturity in his driving style will help him long-term in the future, but you also don't want to see him lose that aggressiveness to, to go for the wins. Okay, yeah. I I do see him as being very immature at this stage of his racing career. I I applaud his uh, passion, and, uh, you know, I think it's good that he's going after the win, but uh, I think that he's got to get the car under control because when he doesn't have the car under control, it takes away from his skill as a driver from my perspective. So, uh, again, that's immaturity uh, as he continues to develop his skill behind the wheel. Uh, I hope that that's not the kind of driving that we see from him. Uh, he tends to be a, a little bit of a wild card on the track, and I'm sure the drivers that are racing with him uh, have that same kind of feeling about him. You never know if he's going to have that car under control or not. Um, and And... I'm sure that Kyle Busch kind of likes the fact that he is uh, all out uh, to go after that victory uh, because that's the way Kyle Busch races as well. But uh, the the difference, and we've seen Kyle Busch go through this too. Kyle Busch is, uh, uh, had his uh, situation when he was younger as well. So, you know, let's hope he does get it under control because right now, to me, it looks like he's a reckless driver out there on the track. So, uh, and and it doesn't make a lot of friends, especially when it's your teammate. Uh, and I'm sure Justin is going to be uh, a stand-up guy about it, but uh, uh, he he just needs to get that car under control. So, well, and you, men- I, you mentioned Kyle. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, so you mentioned Kyle Busch. We've seen it with uh, Joey Logano. 
We've seen it with Tyler Reddick, who's mm-hmm. at the cup level now in a in a rookie season at the cup level. So we have seen it in several drivers, um, and some of them do develop and improve on that and end up as champions, as we've seen. Kyle Busch and, and Joey Logano, both champions. So there, there's something to be said to carrying that, but like you mentioned, there does still need to be some maturity and I think there has been to a degree, and I know we're going to get into this hot topic, so I don't want to respond too much right right now, but um, mm-hmm. I think there's a huge difference between this one and the previous one that was asked about during that interview. Because uh, I see that as one where he went, drove in and wrecked a teammate versus this one, he lost the car and it wrecked a teammate. That's my viewpoint on it, on how it's different. And, and I'll leave it at that right. and wait until hot topics. And it depends on what people are learning from their past experiences and how they respond to what happens on the track. So we'll talk about that in Hot Topics. But uh, let's go down uh, the information here with regard to uh, Noah Gregson and what uh, he accomplished at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, At the age of just 21, uh, the winner, Noah Gregson, in the number nine uh, Plan B sales Chevrolet with Junior Motorsports and crew chief David Elans. Uh He won the 38th annual Cheddar's 300 presented by Alsco. It's his second victory in 43 NASCAR Xfinity Series races. His first victory, by the way, was a season opener at Daytona in a very similar type finish. Uh, this is the second victory in his fifth top ten finish of 2020. Uh, it's also his first victory and second top ten finish in three races at Bristol Motor Speedway. Now, finishing second is Chase Briscoe. Uh, he posted his third top ten finish in five races at Bristol. It is his fifth top ten finish this year. Brandon Jones came in third. Uh, posting his third top ten finish in ten races at Bristol. And Harrison Burton, the rookie, uh, finished in fourth place. He was the highest finishing rookie. Now, this is the second win for Junior Motorsports at Bristol Motor Speedway. In 2008, Brad Keselowski, uh, and, of course, this year, 2020, Noah Gregson. Now, four drivers have qualified for the Dash for Cash at Atlanta Motor Speedway. That's the top four finishers from this race at Bristol. So we know Noah Gregson, Chase Briscoe, Brandon Jones, and Harrison Burton are the Dash for Cash drivers Drivers uh, at Atlanta. Finishing fifth in this race was uh, Ross Chastain. Nope, that's, I'm sorry, that's not correct. Finishing fifth in this race was Myatt Snyder, uh, which I thought that was a really good run for Myatt in that number 21 all right well just taking a quick look we talked in, already about noah gregson and again that'll come up later in hot topics chase briscoe another solid run now granted this incidences in, in the final laps there in the overtime shifted all that a little bit but briscoe was still there i know he didn't have the best car there for bristol but ends up with a second place great run for brandon jones harrison burton the rookie we've talked about him at so many levels already has a win this year uh, but the highlight there, you're right, I think has to be Maya Schneider uh, in that number 21, having a great year and, and showing that type of patience. Again, he didn't have the best car. I think he was running maybe 6th, 7th to 12th in that range, having a solid day. 
but capitalized on everything there at the end, got through a little bit of that Rex with a little bit of uh, luck or skilled driving, whichever way you want to look at it. If you watch those replays, uh, might have been a little bit more luck, but they say in racing you make your own luck. So a uh, great run for Maya Schneider. Okay. Now uh, to round out the top ten, we have Daniel Hemrick in sixth place, Brandon Jones in seventh, Jeremy Clements finished eighth, Josh Williams ninth, and A.J. Allmendinger rounds out that top ten. Uh, so some interesting names in that group. There certainly are. Uh, Daniel Hemrick we've talked about repeatedly, again, doing uh, driving for the Junior Motorsports number eight team, having several drivers in that car. And, again, at, at this point, I think he's missed one race. I don't know what his full schedule is, whether or not he'll be eligible for the championship, as he is in that range. We'll look at it when we get to the point standings. But you mentioned a couple there with some great runs, Brandon Brown, Jeremy Clement, and Josh Williams. And those guys, too, are right on that cutoff for the playoff bubble. So going to be really interesting as this year continues here um, to see where those drivers fall into place. And A.J. Allmendinger, I got to say this, I think it was mid-race when Andy said something about him first. I didn't even realize he was entered into the race uh, in that number 16, (laughs) had an incident early on and came back, and he got himself a top 10 finish. So always great to see Mm -hmm. A.J. Allmendinger on track. Yes, indeed. It really was the Junior Motorsports uh, Day, though, at Bristol, uh, with Noah Gregson winning the first stage. Uh, Justin Algauer came in second followed by the second stage where it was in reverse. Justin Algauer won the stage with Noah Gregson coming in second. Uh, There were 12 uh, caution flags for 85 laps. That seems like a lot. Uh, Ten uh, lead changes among just six drivers. So uh, with that, Jay, let's go ahead and get into the uh, points report. All right, let me make sure this one's yep, updated. Okay, uh, th- so through seven races, Chase Briscoe is your points leader with two wins now. He's nine points ahead of Noah Gregston, who also has n- uh, two wins, uh, locking them in. Big thing there is they got 11 and 13 playoff points, respectively. Harrison Burton in third with a win is 26 points back, has five playoff points. And Justin Allgaier, still there in the fourth position, is 44 points back now with four playoff uh, points. Ross Jastain, rough rough day there. Uh, He ended up, I believe, 28, somewhere in that range, uh, involved in an early incident. 52 back. Austin Sindrick, 56. Brandon Jones, back 71. Justin Haley, another one that had a good run but uh, didn't have the finish at minus 79. Ryan Sieg at minus 85. And then Riley Herbst, the rookie, is sitting in 10th at 123 back. Now, 11th and 12th, here's where it gets interesting. 11th is Daniel Hemrick, who, as I mentioned, only has six races in, uh, 124 backs, points back. And I don't know, again, if he, what his schedule looks like. I know he's not running all the races in the junior motorsports number eight. So whether or not he is going to be eligible to be in this championship hunt. Twelfth uh, right now is Brandon Brown, who is at 126 back. And then you have Michael Annette, another one with a rough day there, was one of the first cars out with uh, Austin Sindrick. He's at 130. There, then you have Josh Williams, Myatt Schneider, Alex LeBay, B.J. McLeod, and they're all about 15 to 20 points back. So 
going to get real interesting, like I said, especially whether or not Daniel Hemrick is eligible for the playoffs. Yes, and and uh, these guys are, you know, we're not really sure exactly how the schedule is going to play out for the rest of this year. So these guys are trying to get everything they can with every race they race. So that's going to add, I think, some intensity uh, throughout the rest of this season uh, for these drivers. So uh, we've got a lot to look forward to <laughs> here in the Xfinity Series. And uh, we've talked about this a little bit amongst our group. Uh, I, I still think the Truck Series puts on uh, a pretty darn good show. But the Xfinity Series, I thought, was a little lackluster for a few years. Boy, have they popped up into uh, uh, some really good racing realm here uh, from the Xfinity Series. And I thought the racing this weekend in general was uh, really good throughout the race. It was, and I know, again, NASCAR is working on different packages. Um, we saw the drivers, you know, the last couple of years we looked at the big three that have now moved up to the cup level. Um, but we see some names here that certainly could be Chase Briscoe, Noah Gregson, Harrison Burton, Riley Herps, Ross Chastain, Austin Sindrick. I think I hit seven or eight right there, Justin Haley. Um, so, you know, and we've we've seen in the past, some drivers stay in the Xfinity level. That's as far as they ever get but that's part of what provides that series with what it needs, some veterans of the series. Then you have the rookies coming up as well as the occasional cup series drivers coming down. So it makes for a good mix. And, you know, it's kind of ironic. It was a couple of years ago that they went to the uh, slogan of names are made here. That really did Mm -hmm. seem to all of a sudden fulfill that prophecy and bring in, bring in that attention to it, that that is where these names are coming from when they hit the cup level. Yes, indeed, uh, and we're witnessing that now with last year's uh, uh, Big Three uh, and John Hunter Nemechek uh, with uh, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, and Cole Custer all competing in the Cup Series this year and doing pretty darn well uh, making that adjustment uh, at this stage of the season. Uh, I think we've got a lot more to look forward to there as well. One thing, one thing, and I know this was within our group message uh, that we kind of talked about of, you know, these guys need to win races in the Xfinity, win championships in the Xfinity Series to prove they belong at the cup level. Uh, you look back, though, uh, I don't believe Jimmy Johnson ever had a win in the Xfinity Series. I don't know what his best finish was, but he is a seven-time champion. Jeff Gordon, I believe, had one win in the Xfinity mm-hmm. Series, no championships. He is a four-time champion, NASCAR Hall of Fame. So the the Xfinity or in the truck series, how they do in those series isn't always a proof, a telltale proof of what they can do at the cup level. Yes, it is an indication, and you want to see that experience. But, and I think this applies to Noah Gregson, you see the talent, you see the drive, that gives you the faith to work with them as a driver because they have the talent. Yes. Yes, a lot of these drivers that are coming up through the series right now really have been, I think, uh, that little bit extra when it comes to talent, and uh, that's part of what's made this uh, a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, in a lot of respects, I do have to give, and I know uh, Gregson talked about this, how uh, Kyle Busch kind of got on him in the truck series, uh, but those drivers are learning from Kyle Busch, too. And uh, I know we've talked about that as well. Um, 
and it may not always be a, a lot of fun for them to learn from Kyle Busch uh, because he's got a pretty high standard for himself, and I think he kind of uh, transfers that high expectation to the drivers who drive for him. Uh, so when he brings a driver within his organization, he's going to be bringing somebody who he deems to have uh, quite a bit of talent. So I think uh, that's all good. Uh, and even though they may not like it sometimes, I still think these drivers are learning a lot from Kyle Busch, and I think that's helped to improve the racing as well. I, I most certainly agree with that. Uh, you know, you're right. He did mention it, and again, we don't know the exact details of that, of when he left uh, Toyota and Kyle Busch Motorsports to come to the Xfinity Series. Um, you know, whether or not he felt he was going to get that opportunity to continue with Kyle Busch Motorsports and into the Joe, Joe Gibbs um developmental program into the Xfinity series. He made that decision. And, you know, like he said, he is making the most of it, trying to win races, uh, drive to the best of his ability, which, and again, that's going to change as he grows. And then that development maturity level development, you mentioned that comes with, with time and with different experiences that they go through. Yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, it's time for us to, well, we've got a couple minutes here. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on that we haven't already mentioned before we go to the Cup Series? Uh, no, I know uh, this. Uh, I will see. We'll see if we can reach out. Uh, I'd like to know whether or not Daniel Hemrick, again, what his full schedule is and whether or not, if he's not in every race, um, going to be ed- eligible for the playoffs because uh, that kind of intrigues me. And, and we've we've talked about this, having returned to the Xfinity Series after a year at cup level with Richard Childress racing kind of maybe a make or break year for him and he's certainly making the most of his starts with junior motorsports as well as the other team he started with so it'll be interesting to see how his schedule goes and we'll see if we can find out whether or not um, what his full schedule is and whether or not he's eligible for the playoffs okay Uh, yeah I think that would be really good I think if he gets that win I think it's going to be one of those fluid situations Jay where if he does get that win, then I think that they might uh, try to make that happen for him, that he can go after the championship if he gets into the playoffs. So we'll have to see how that continues to unfold. But uh, And, and uh, as we get more information, we'll be more than happy to share that information right here on Fan for Racing Radio. All right, uh, moving into the... NASCAR Cup Series at Bristol Motor Speedway. The race winner was Brad Keselowski in the number two, Team Penske Ford. I do have, this is 13 minutes, 18 seconds. I think we've got enough time that we could probably go ahead and play that entire interview as well, Jay. What do you think? I think so, because, again, we still had plenty of time to wrap up all the other coverage we needed to. Okay, let's go ahead and do that now. This is Brad Keselowski winner of the cup race at Bristol. And now we are joined by the race-winning driver of tonight's Food City Presents Supermarket Heroes 500. That's Brad Keselowski, driver of the number two discount tire Ford for Team Penske. Brad, that was a that was an eventful final few laps, an eventful race, really. Walk us through that finish from your perspective. Yeah, just, uh, can you guys hear me okay? Yep. Okay, perfect. Yeah, just, uh, Wild, wild day. Um, 
one of those days that, uh, you know, you look at and you think of as going back and, and being a part of Bristol lore for a long time to come. And I'm glad we were able to win it. Uh, but, geez, so much beating and banging. Oh, my goodness. We've all been cooped up in our houses too long and came to Bristol and took out some aggression, I guess. I, I don't know. But uh, early on in the race, everybody was hitting each other, and it carried in all the way to the end. And, uh, you know, some people ran me over. I probably ran some people over. And everybody's mad at everybody going into Atlanta next week. But uh, just a, a really eventful day for us. We started up front on the pole, led a bunch of laps, lost the lead, and, and uh, then we made some adjustments to the car and got really good. Uh, in the second stage, got the lead and lost the lead on pit road, and I just could not hit the restart uh, after that. And I kept falling back. Fell all the way to, I think, eighth or ninth or something like that. And um, just started to get really frustrated. Started to lose the handle on the car. The track kept changing. And uh, then I was pushing really hard and got a pit road penalty. It was just, wow, I am just digging a hole. And with about... 40-some to go. I think we were running 14th or 15th, uh, 48, 49 to go. I, I don't know. Somebody's probably got a stat on that. And we came in. We put left-side tires on, came off of pit road uh, in a spot to compete. And uh, I think we came off pit road maybe 12th and just kept cycling forward. They dropped the green. We'd go five laps, they'd wreck. They dropped the green. We'd go five laps, they'd wreck. Until the next thing I knew, I was restarting fourth. Like, wow, this is perfect. And uh, cleared uh, for third uh, on the, the restart there, the last restart. And I watched Joey and uh, Chase going at it. And next thing I know, they, they were wrecking. And uh, here we found ourselves in victory lane. Just really crazy how it all came together. But uh, I'll tell you, I, I'm super proud to, to be here and, and to get a second win in the season. Um, you know, that's, for me, my fifth year with multiple wins in a row, which is really good. Really happy and proud of that, um, you know, and, and trying to put ourselves in a position to, to make a real run at a championship. Uh, hopefully we can do just that, and I, I feel like we're coming together as a team. You know, this is a new team this year. Same number, same car and all that, but new team, and they're really starting to gel, so I'm very happy for them. Good deal. We're going to open the floor for questions. We're going to start with Bob Pockers. Go ahead with the question, Bob. Uh, yeah, Brad, you talked about the aggression early, and we saw kind of Chase and Logano have, you know, have their incident, and Chase kind of taking blame for it. You know, I asked Jimmy about, you know, he made a mistake at Darlington. Kyle Busch made a mistake at Darlington. I mean, is there anything wrong with us seeing you guys make mistakes, or is there a reason for it? Well, mistakes make for great racing. That's why, you know, when you watch rookies run so many tracks, it, it's a lot of fun. You know, I think you look at the lower-tier series, they're some of the most fun races to watch because the drivers make a lot of mistakes and that creates a lot of action. I think sometimes you get to the cup level and, you know, whether it's the setup or the driver's experience, you don't see a lot of mistakes. And people missing that the cars are easy to drive. Or it's really the opposite. It's just pros. You know, these guys are really good. Uh, for whatever reason, whether it's just not having a chance to really work on the cars or practice or uh, the drivers not getting those experiences, we're seeing more mistakes. With, these, with this format, these, uh, this style of racing, the no-practice type stuff. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that makes for better racing uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, so I hope we, we keep it up. And, and I said earlier this week that I felt like NASCAR had struck gold with these formats, and, and I stand by that. These are 
great formats, and we're seeing some of the best racing we've ever seen in NASCAR uh, accordingly. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in victory lane. I, I think a lot of people would say this is a tremendous race, and I hope they enjoyed it. And do you think uh, you, you talk about this team, a potential championship team, do you feel like you need to get your contract situation, whatever way it is, settled sooner than later in order for you guys to do that, or can you keep the two separate? I mean, I haven't thought of it that way. Um, you know, I haven't put that much thought into anything other than just competing and winning and wanting to be in a spot to compete and win for a long time. And so I don't let it be a distraction, but, I, you know, I can't always speak for others. But the experience I've had with the team, they're, they're not either. Thank you. Our next question will come from Jenna Fryer. Go ahead with your question, Jenna. Hey, Brad, what do you make of uh, winning two races in the fashion that you have? Is, is it being in the right place at the right time? right time yeah there's definitely a lot of that we had good speed today general i i think maybe the nine car might have been the fastest car but only by a little bit i, I might have been just as fast as he was we just got behind and uh you know i made a couple of mistakes and dug ourselves a little bit of hole but I, I think on equal tires we were as good or better than anyone uh else out there and probably equal to the, the to the nine um so it it just didn't really play out that way for us to show that in the middle part of the race and in, in the beginning it did um and i think if you look at a couple other races this year i felt like we were probably the second or third best car at phoenix and kind of had the opposite of today happen where all the yellows came against us and bad lanes on restarts and all that kind of stuff so um it's nice to catch some of those breaks you know the coke 600 uh, I don't know if we were as good as the nine. I, I don't think we were, but I thought we were the b second best car again. And you know, you run like this, and you put yourself in position with good cars and uh, running up in the top five, and uh, allow good things to happen to yourself. Be in position, and I think that's what we're doing really well as a team right now. He said after the 600, you've lost races a lot of different ways. Have you ever won two in a row like this? Uh, gosh, I can't. Maybe in, in 18, we won three races in a row, and I don't think we were the fastest car in any one of those three races, but we put ourselves in position, and good things happened to us. And it, it feels really cool when it goes that way. It feels really bad when it goes against you. So, you know, you just kind of got to ride the roller coaster and, and enjoy the, uh, the good parts and try to shrug off the bad parts. Thanks, Brad. No problem, Jim. Our next question will come from Jason Brown. Go ahead, Jason. Matt, thank you. Brad, congratulations on the win. You touched on your last pit stop there with about 41 to go. Can you take me through what the strategy was? Was, was that the thinking put two tires on, and if something happens up in front, that you, you've got a chance of, uh, of racing past everybody? Yeah, I think with 41 to go, I was quite honestly just hoping to get a top 10. And once we broke into top 10, I thought, oh, I got a real shot at top five. And then next thing I know, we're running fifth, and I think the 11 car got turned around or something happened there. Now we're running fourth. I'm like, oh, now we got the preferred lane on the restart. And then the restart, we clear and get third. And I'm watching Chase and Joe. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. It was just such a turn of uh, events. Uh, it, it felt like I was sitting in Vegas and playing poker, and I got all the turns, you know, the, what they call it, the river and all that. The, all the turns went my way and went from having a bad hand to having a, a full house real quick. Well said. Congrats. Thank you. Our next question will come from Lee Spencer. Go ahead with the question, Lee. Congratulations, champ. Was that your call or was that your crew chief's call to take the two tires? Well, that was Jeremy's. Jeremy uh, called a really good race, and 
I'm super proud of him and, and this team, the way they've come together um, and keep coming together. It's a special group, and I, uh, I feel like we're all trying to find each other's full potential, and we're just starting to do that. Um, you know, and we were getting real close to that before the pandemic happened and kind of slowed us down, and now we're really pushing each other hard, and that's a very good thing. A lot of people have given Hendrick, um, you know, kudos for the way that they've come out of the box and their teams are all strong, but um, you feel like Team Penske is absolutely just right there? We're right. We're just a touch behind. You know, I think the mile and a half, I would say that Hendrick's definitely a little better, but uh, on the short tracks, I think we're really, really closely. Thank you. Have a great week. You too. Our next question will come from Jordan Bianchi. Go ahead with your question, Jordan. Lee kind of asked my question, but to kind of follow up on on that, is the difference this year for Chevrolet the fact that they have a new Camaro and they were able to take that car and redesign it around a, a rules package that they already have? They know what that rules package is going to be like and they can kind of tweak it specifically for that? You know, I, I couldn't speak to that. I don't know enough details. I mean, certainly it doesn't hurt. Uh, I think everybody would admit to that. But, uh, you know, I thought they had a pretty good car before, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, I, I know they've done a, a couple of things and made some really nice upgrades and it looks like that's probably paying off, but I couldn't tell you which one it is. Thank you. No problem, Jordan. Our next question will come from Jim Utter. Go ahead with your question, Jim. Hey, Brad. Uh, after the race, you talked about uh, how your team has kind of developed into a never-give-up team. I was just wondering if you could talk about how important a quality that is to have when you want, as the season goes on and you want to be a legitimate contender for a championship. We talked a little bit earlier about how you guys have been kind of gelling as a team. To get to that point, how, how, big, of, how big of a factor is that? It, it, it's really big. You know, I, we're probably a little bit in the honeymoon phase, so, you know, that makes it uh, a lot of fun and easier to do. Uh, the key is how do you keep that? How do you, how do you keep that fresh conversation and dialogue going and keep the positive attitudes going and, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking through that and trying to be the best I can. I know they are, too, and um, we're all just really happy for each other's success and there to pick each other up when things aren't going our way and uh, and somebody's having a bad day. And I think that's what great teams do, and this is turning into a great team. I'm super, super proud of them. Um, proud to be a part of it, and I'm driving my butt off. And sometimes I think I might be driving a little bit too hard, but uh, so far it's been paying off. And a quick question on uh... – but from, from behind the wheel, could you tell noticeably any difference on the change to the short track rules package at this race? Oh, without a doubt. The cars are significantly harder to drive, significantly slower, um, and they're, they're significantly more racy. I think we saw a better race accordingly. Thanks, Brad. No problem, Jim. Our final question for Brad will come from Stephen Conley. Go ahead with your question, Steve. Brad, you get a week off before heading to Atlanta for the first time since returning um, Jimmy was talking earlier about uh, success at California, the way that track is aged uh, to Atlanta. You won at Atlanta last year. Uh, do you think with the, the success that you guys have had so far, your early run at California, that you've got – you're right there with uh, with Hendrick going to Atlanta? And what's your expectations there? Yeah, I don't know if I have a great answer for that. Uh, you know, Atlanta is not like any other mountain house we go to. The car's – uh, are so fast at the beginning of the run and so slow at the end of the run. Uh, it's such a big delta there. And, uh, you know, it's hard to say who's going to be good, who's not, especially with out having a lot of practice and, and all those things. 
So, um, you know, I, I suspect if I was to take a blind guess that the nine car and the 88 will be very, very strong and tough to beat. But uh, we're going to do our best to keep them honest. And uh, with with the full week off, do you expect to have more communications with Jeremy uh, than you've had over these last two weeks? I hope so. You know, there's there's all kinds of Zoom meetings and all that, but there ain't nothing like being face-to-face. And uh, we're still obviously not there. I wish wish we were, and I hope we get there really soon, um, you know, to where we can do that and everybody feels safe and comfortable. Uh, but it's, it's certainly different. It's a different way of living and communicating. All right. Thank you, Brad. No problem. Well, Brad, congratulations on the win. Go enjoy a day off to begin, and then we'll see you at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. That was Brad Keselowski after winning uh, at Charlotte Motor Speedway on uh, Saturday for the Supermarket Heroes 500. Okay, Jay, um, he brought up some really good points to support what you've been saying. Uh, let's hear your thoughts. Uh, there are a lot of different things I took from, from that, uh, what was it, 13-minute <laughs> interview. Um, first off, I uh, talked about just where they were at as a team, you know, and the, and the pit call, the, the strategy that put them into play. Uh, like I said, you kind of make your own luck in racing. As he moved up, he's like, hey, we have a shot to drive up a little bit, maybe not win. But then as things happen, now he's like, oh, I got a shot at top five. Let me drive up there. Boom, something happens in front of him. He's like, hey, I got the line going for this win. So uh, one of those cases of you win some like that, you lose some like that. You know, what goes around comes around. But he put, he put it, you, you have a, a fast car putting yourself in position to win. You know, you're going to win your share. Yeah, you're going to lose some that by whatever incident or circumstances. But you're in that position, you're going to win some too. And this one certainly was, if you will, a gift to him but he knows he's lost some that maybe he should have that way too. So it all kind of evens out. Uh, that was one of the things that I took from that. Okay. Uh, yeah, he gave us a lot of information in that. Uh, that one part I think we'll, we'll say for our NASCAR Hot Topic sound off because uh, <laughs> he had some interesting comments there too. Um, okay, now, uh, Brad Keselowski at the age of 36 in the number two discount tire Ford for Team Penske and crew chief Jeremy Bullins, won uh, the 60th annual Food City Presents Supermarket Heroes 500. It was his 32nd victory in 386 NASCAR Cup Series races. It's also his second victory at Charlotte. His second victory, he won at Charlotte before winning at Bristol, and his sixth top ten finish in 2020. This is the third victory and seventh top ten finish in 21 races at Bristol Motor Speedway. Clint Boyer came in second, posting his 16th top ten finish in 29 races at Bristol Motor Speedway, and it is his third top ten finish this year. Jimmy Johnson in third, posting 20, his 22nd top 10 finish in 37 races at Bristol. Christopher Bell, finishing ninth, was the highest finishing rookie. And this is the 39th win by a Ford in the NASCAR Cup Series at Bristol Motor Speedway. So that's really looking like a Ford track. Oh, your thoughts about those top three? Well, a lot of a lot of different things there. Uh, again, you look at who got taken out. It was Joey Logano in a Ford. Early on, I certainly thought it was dominated by Ford, but 
again, Chase Elliott, you know, you heard Brad say it possibly did have the fastest car. Uh, if so, not by much. Um, and we saw some of the Toyotas creep in there and battle it out. So uh, I saw it at the end, of, towards the end of the race, be more of a across the board. Um, if there was an advantage, it was very little because we also saw Eric Jones running up there and battling in that top top five uh, as well. So um, great run for Clint Boyer. We we know he needs it and he's starting to find his groove. Jimmy Johnson, that third place finish. I know he had a second place finish, which was taken away. Uh, seeing him rebound and then seeing Christopher Bell. And again, ninth isn't even indicative of, of where he actually ran or the type of car he had, but we're starting to see what he is capable of turning his, turning his season around with the rough start that he's had. Um, I think we're starting to see what he is capable of and what we're going to see out of the future of him with that number 95 Levine family racing team. Absolutely. Um, and I thought it was really great. Uh, to see the rookies contending at Bristol uh, because uh, there was some really good uh, racing going on with them. Now, Kyle Busch came in fourth. Eric Jones finished in fifth. Uh, The next five drivers are Austin Dillon in sixth place. Kurt Busch, I thought he had an amazing turnaround. I thought he was going to be out of it, and he still came in with a top-ten finish. William Byron in eighth, and Christopher Bell, as we mentioned, in ninth, and Bubba Wallace rounding out the top ten. And this is one of those where even even uh, when you don't have the best team, the best year or whatever, Bristol is one that kind of lends itself towards certain drivers. Uh, we, we've seen that in the past. Eric Jones is one of them. Austin Dillon, again, hasn't had the best of season, not um, – RCR, not exactly where they need to be, but we're seeing improvements. You mentioned Kurt Busch, and there's a reason they were in the Xfinity broadcast and, and showed the stats of the Bush brothers at mm-hmm. Bristol Motor Speedway. And, and same goes for Bubba Wallace. You know, I, I, I hate to say it's a limited number of top tens we've seen out of him, this being one of them, but we've seen it in the past. Again, go back to Matt Benedetto, um, Ricky Stenhouse. This is a good track for him. I know he didn't have the finish uh, he was looking for. But certain tracks, just that short track and that style of track really do tend to lead itself to particular drivers and their style. So um, I want to say it's a surprise to see them up there. However, with how their season's gone or whatever, it kind of is. Okay. Now, Chase Elliott did have a strong car. He won the first two stages of the race. Uh, There were 17 caution flags for 102 laps. Also, 21 lead changes among seven drivers in this race. So, uh, pretty interesting stuff there, too. Let's go ahead and get into the points report. All right, let me scroll down to that. Uh, we got nine races now in the Cup Series in the books. Kevin Harvick is your leader, only has one race win and six playoff points. Behind him, 24 back, if you can believe that, is Joey Logano with two wins, 12 playoff points. Chase Elliott now third, uh, has the one win with 10 playoff points. And Brad Keselowski now with two wins, 12 playoff points, is actually 55 points back. In fifth, Alex Bowman, 81 back, one win, nine playoff points. Then you got Martin Truex. He's the highest runner so far with no wins, sitting at 90 backs. Uh, Seventh is Denny Hamlin. Again, has two wins, but 94 points back, but has the 11 points going into the playoffs. Eighth is Ryan Blaney. Ninth, Kyle Busch. 
Kent Kurtbush, 11th on back. We saw a strong run out of him. Again, not quite the finish. Eric Almarola, then Clint Boyer, Matt DiBenedetto, Eric Jones, Jimmy Johnson, and Austin Dillon. And that is your top 16 right now, which is the playoff cutoff for the uh, Cup Series. And Dillon is at 149 back. You look outside that bubble, five more behind him, William Byron, and then you got a gap to 30 of Tyler Reddick, Chris Buescher, John Hunter Nemechek, Ricky Stenhouse. And those are the ones we've seen the flashes of good runs. It's a matter of consistency week in and week out. So we'll see as we get into a regular schedule, um, excuse me, <coughs> if they can build on that and maintain that and somewhat move up. Uh, two that I want to highlight here because we're kind of watching throughout the year, um, Brian Newman, again, only has six races. He missed three. He is currently in 26th spot, and, I'm sorry, 234 out, but he is, do some quick math in my head, about 100 points, I believe, from less than 100 points from that uh, 16th spot. So a win from him would move him up. Matt Kenseth, the other one, five races. He is currently 32nd in points. He's got to be in the top 30 and get the win. Uh, we've only seen him in five races. He's currently 288 points off the lead. Again, uh, 82. It's about 160 from 16th place. But his way in is the, the top 30 and then a win, as they are both playoff eligible due to waivers that NASCAR has already announced. Yes, indeed. Uh, and and thanks for those updates. I uh, do think that these guys uh, have a good chance of getting a victory before it's all said and done, uh, and and I can't wait to see when that does happen. I think it'll be a big day. Uh, in either one of those cases, I think it'll be an emotional day. Okay, uh, this uh, playoff picture is uh, looking pretty solid with nine races already into the season. What is that? Just not quite a third of the season in already. And uh, this is where we currently stand. So uh, it makes it pretty exciting. Uh, Kevin Harvick has been pretty solid. I would say this is one of the biggest points gaps uh, that we have right now between first and second. Uh, But keep in mind that part of the reason for that is that uh, they have more races in the books than the Xfinity Series or the Truck Series. So uh, that 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 will uh, hopefully, uh, as we get closer to the playoffs, uh, that might change. But uh, I've got a feeling uh, whoever's in that lead, uh, well, what's going to make the difference is how many wins they have as to how they start going into the playoffs. Well, and, and that's playoffs. what I tried to hit on there. That's right. I tried to hit on it there. You look at it. Again, Harvick does have one win, but is leading the points by 24 points over Logano, who has two wins. Keselowski, who has two wins, is in fourth. And then Hamlin, who has two wins which and sits in seventh and is 94 points back. However, it's Joey that has 12, Chase Elliott that has 10, Brad Keselowski 12, uh, Denny Hamlin 11, and Alex Bowman with nine playoff points versus Kevin Harvick six. So, and I know it's way early to start this, but if the playoffs were to start now, Kevin would be ranked, you know, six or seven um, based on that. So he's got he's solid. Uh, I don't remember what his streak of top tens was extended to, 
Um, I think he actually missed one in there uh, the week prior. So, But that solid top 10 runs is good. Put yourself in position to win. But you do have to win a little more often than not, and especially when it comes to the stages, you know, picking up those stage wins. We mentioned Chase Elliott won the first two stages, picked up playoff points as well as regular race points that kind of helped offset his bad finish. That is true. Um, And uh, it's – it's going to be interesting because I think some of the drivers, especially the rookies uh, that are still getting kind of their feet wet, if you will, I think as they continue to improve, uh, I think they're going to be challenging before this is all said and done at the end of the season. We've already seen, as you mentioned, Tyler Ruddick, uh, but I think we're going to see other drivers like Christopher Bell who's starting to kind of feel his uh, oats, if you will, and run closer to the top ten there. Um I think I think it's going to get exciting uh, from that perspective as well, Jay. Just so just so fans that are listening uh, can understand it, with the uh, stage racing that they do now in NASCAR, and, and I do really like this as far as the, the intent behind it. Again, Chase Elliott had a strong car all day, contending up until the very end, gets involved in an accident and finishes 22nd. Um, however because of that racing hard early on, his points for the race is 35. Your race winner, Brad Kozlowski, got 50. Clint Boyer, finishing second, got 40. Third place, Jimmy Johnson, had 35. Same as Chase Elliott in 32nd. Kyle Busch had 39. Um, Fifth, uh, Eric Jones, 35. 31 for Austin Dillon. So Chase Elliott, points-wise for this race, even though he didn't have that top finish, Points-wise, still came out with indicative of where he ran the entire race. Um, and I really like the way NASCAR set that up. Yeah, with the stage points, you mean? Exactly. It, it allows for somebody that ran good all day, the rough finish doesn't hurt him as bad as it used to. Right, right. Okay, so I think uh, that's a good synopsis of what's happening there in the Cup Series. Uh, they will be racing again uh, this weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And I know uh, we have a few picks in there. Oh, we might have all of our picks in for there. Um, actually, we have five on that one. I don't remember if I went through them or not. I can do that real quick here. Yeah, I don't think I did the Cup Series. I don't think so. Um, Mike went first. And if you know Mike, picking Chase Elliott, not a surprise at all. And Owen came in with Kevin Harvick. I went with Jimmy Johnson. See him coming on the upswing the last couple races again, seeing him turn it around. Sharon went with Kyle Busch, obviously Atlanta, going to a used-up track. Kyle Busch, a great pick. James looked at the other one I looked at, Matt Kenseth. Uh, that that track and the experience there with no practice, I think Kenseth, it could be a very sleeper pick. I know I've picked him once already this season uh, since he's come back. And we'll see how he settles in there with that 42 team now. And then we got Sam and Andy have not picked yet. Uh, Sam first and then Andy be last, being that his favorite, Clinton Boyer, was the best finisher from Bristol. Okay. Yeah, I think those are great picks uh, from all of our uh, band for racing crew members there. And uh, I know everybody's going to be watching this weekend. Uh, I know 
I, I, there's a chance that I'm going to have company this weekend, so I may not be able to be a part of the chat rooms. If I don't get the chat room up, uh, please feel free to use the blue icon that's at fanforacing.com for the race day chats uh, while I'm not here. So just a kind of a heads up on that regard. Yeah, myself, I'm pretty sure I won't be available on Saturday. I don't know yet about Sunday. Uh, what time I'm going to be back on the road coming back home, so myself as well. But uh, generally check oh. in. I know Mike and Andy, if they're around there, at least in in and out of there. Yes, and, and they have some really interesting conversations uh, in there as well. So uh, it's uh, definitely worth uh, checking it out. And uh, we have a lot of people who kind of come and go. Uh, please feel free to jump into the conversation if you're one of those people that are checking it out, uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, have you uh, kind of take part in the conversation in our chat room on the race days, as well as tonight on our radio show. Uh, we're getting ready for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off coming up here. Uh, Andy will be joining us shortly. I see Mike in the queue already, and uh, I think uh, that we're going to probably have some pretty interesting conversation. Uh, during our Hot Topic segment tonight as well. Oh, we always do. We always do. (laughs) Okay, so, Jay, thanks uh, for being available tonight. Uh, We really appreciate you being here. Uh, Sal kind of gave us a last-minute notification, Uh, not of his own doing. It's just the circumstances. And uh, uh, we really appreciate you stepping up to the plate there to stand in as a uh, co-host for tonight. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, let's get started with our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us now is, I believe this is Mike. Welcome to the show, Hello. <laughs> okay. And now uh, also uh, joining us is our co-host for tonight, and that would be none other than Mr. Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. The one and the only. <laughs> How are you guys doing The today? one and the only. <laughs> doing well. I'm going to kind of kick off the conversation. Jay and I have kind of touched on it in and out here uh, a few times uh, throughout the show, but I want to get your guys' input. And, Mike, I know you've been listening. Uh, Andy, I'm not sure if you've had a chance to listen, but um, – I'm going to bring up the uh, Noah Gregson win on Saturday at Bristol Motor Speedway. And, Andy, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Uh, I'm speaking specifically about the scuffle with his teammate, Justin Algauer, in order to get that win. Uh, And uh, your thoughts about Noah Gregson and not only how he won, but – if you had a chance to hear his comments post-race. Yeah, I did. Um, obviously, I think we were all watching that race. Mike must be thrilled. It's his favorite driver, of course, you know. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that was, you know, there's there's a difference between being aggressive and going for a win and, and then stepping over a line. And I think that he, I think, stepped over a line, especially when you consider he was racing with a teammate. I think that, you know, if, if, if you're going to race like that and win – you know, it's all well and good in the moment, but I think that there could be some repercussions from that down the line, um, you know, in terms of 
internal relations with his teammates. You know, I'm sure if you're Justin Allgaier that you're going to probably race him differently moving forward for the remainder of the season and beyond. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, there's repercussions, you know, potentially down the line, you know, maybe career related and certainly maybe, you know, this season, you know, for instance, maybe, you know, Noah's trying to contend for a championship and, and maybe Justin makes it a little difficult on him. I don't know. You know, there could be some repercussions, but I definitely think that um, it was a matter of being over aggressive and it's really unfortunate that it came at a teammate's expense for that win. Okay. Um, Mike, I know you're biting at the bit. Uh, let's hear your thoughts. Well, kind of the take on this, there's kind of the saying, I guess probably from footballs, you know, when you get to the end zone, act like you've been there before. Um, and I think the problem isn't even so much that Gregson wrecked his teammate and, and that's how he won the race. These things happen. It's a racing deal. Um, kind of the thing that really soured me with that was what it really looked like a bunch of excessive celebration. You know, he's doing a burnout off the rev limiter, then he climbs the fence in front of a bunch of non-existent fans. That's after he always hanging out the window burning out. Then he does a burnout up the ramp into victory lane from there. And after all that kind of issues out, and I'm sorry you got mad, kind of an apology. Um, this is a guy who is driving for what has been the pipeline team into Hendrick Motorsports with a known opening at Hendrick Motorsports next year and what could be a career-making ride for a guy like Noah Gregson. A little bit of humility, I think, could have gone a long way there, a little bit more of a conciliatory tone, maybe step it back a little bit uh, with the celebration because maybe, maybe he could have passed Justin cleanly, maybe he couldn't have. Obviously, it's all in the past right now. But I think he went a little bit over the top with the celebration, especially almost to the point where it seemed like he was rubbing it in the face of the teammate that he took out in order to win that race. And I think that's going to sour a lot of people. And kind of what you touched on earlier in the show, it just highlights the continuing question of Noah Gregson's maturity in addition to the car control questions that have been surrounding him ever since uh, when he was in the truck series through last year in the Xfinity series and now once again – it shows that Noah Gregson is probably not ready to step up into the next level of stock car racing into that 48 car. Okay, Jay, let's let's hear your thoughts because I know you have a little bit different perspective on all this. I, I, I do. Uh, first off, the, I would never dispute that that Noah Gregson needs to show a little bit maturity, more maturity as a driver. Uh, I don't know if I agree with Mike on the post race thing again, Bristol is a track that champions win at uh, repeatedly. So to get a win there, I I believe it should be celebrated. He did acknowledge that the incident was his fault. However, back it up. When Justin Algar had the lead, how did he lose it? He got loose on the bottom and slid up the track. Gregson got by him. They got side by side. They raced clean for a lap. The next lap going into the corner, Justin Algar on the outside ran, I don't six inches to maybe a foot off of him. No, in the previous lap, he had gotten loose down there. What did he expect to have happen? And we've all talked about it. The closer you run to that car, you cause that car to get loose. So mm-hmm. he could have prevented that possibly. I'm not saying he had to. I'm saying possibly. If he'd have run a few lanes up, if Noah gets loose when he slides up, he hits the wall and third on back and not Justin Algar. So I think there was a contributing factor there of how close Justin ran down on him going into that corner. And I'm not saying Justin pinched him off. Second, this incident that a lot of people are comparing previous incident with Noah Gregson. 
and Noah, I believe, admitted himself that that was one where he drove into the corner, hit his teammate, and I want to say it was in the truck series when he was driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports, but I'm not 100%. This was not yep, that he case. He turned the car. Okay, but that was one where he drove into that car. I don't think anybody believed that car or that truck was going to make that corner without hitting that car. This is one where he t- stuck it down low, got loose just like Algar did the lap before. The lap before, though, nobody was on the high side of Justin. He got to drive it all the way up the track, and somebody drove under him. In this case, there was somebody to his outside. They bumped. So the same exact thing happened between the two drivers. They lost control of their car on the bottom. Just because somebody wasn't to Justin's outside, he got away with it, even though he lost the position. Noah's getting blamed for having no talent and not being able to drive without running over somebody, and I don't agree with that. Okay. I do think that Noah Gregson is a reckless driver. I think he goes all out. He said so in his interview, uh, and he's going to do everything he can do to try to get that win. He stays up late at night to think about that. And when given the opportunity, he doesn't care if it's his teammate, he doesn't care who it is, he's going to go after that victory. My concern is Noah is developing a little bit of a reputation here of being reckless on the track. And, yeah, we've seen other drivers lose it. Um, and and Brad Kozlowski brought up that he thinks that that makes for better racing when drivers make a mistake. I kind of disagree with that because I think the better racing happens when you have uh, drivers who are using their skill on the track versus being out there just slipping and sliding around on the track and willy-nilly. This is the premier series of NASCAR. These are the most professional uh, drivers in the top three series of NASCAR. Uh, If you want to get into the Cup Series, and yes, we've seen a couple of the Cup drivers uh, recently make mistakes, and part of that is due to the fact that they haven't had practices. Um, But I'm not an advocate that that makes for better racing. I'm just not. I I think that when I go to a race, I want to see drivers who have the skill to be able to cleanly race their competitors. And when you're driving on the edge – which Noah Gregson admits that's the way he drives. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna ruffle some feathers, and you're not always gonna show your skill on the track when you're driving on the edge like that. Um, now there are some drivers who have car con- drive on the edge, but they've got car control that goes along with it. Um, and I'm just not sure that Noah Gregson's that guy yet. Uh, he is immature. Uh, I, I kind of agree with Mike that his celebration was a little bit overboard. Yeah, it was Bristol. Uh, yeah, it's where champions win. But there was nobody in the stands. So that was all about Noah Gregson. Uh, it had nothing to do with uh, – he didn't include his team in that celebration. Uh, I would have maybe liked to have seen that from him. Um, and, and we keep forgiving him because he's a young driver. Uh, so hopefully, my hope is that as he matures as a driver, that we'll see less of that uh, showboat, uh, I could care less kind of attitude from him uh, because I, I don't think it becomes him very well. And if I'm an owner looking at a driver that I want to possibly come into my car, while I might applaud his 
uh, aggressiveness on the track and his passion to go out after the win. What I'm not going to like is if he's out there wrecking my cars and my the cars of his teammates at the same time, uh, because that's going to that's going to cost me more money. So those are just some of my thoughts. I, I've always said that I like to see a driver go out there and win on skill, and and I, I'm a little bit forgiving here. Uh, of the drivers who have made some mistakes because they have been a little more humble. Uh, not Noah Gregson. I do not see an ounce of humility from him at all. And yeah, he admitted the the mistake. Um, but I wonder how many mistakes he's going to make and uh, the wins that he gets for the future. I hope that trend ends because he's got a couple of them now under the books for this season. And again, it goes back to what we've said before. When I crown a champion at the end of the season, I don't want it to be the guy who made mistakes on the track all season long. So those are just my thoughts. I'll get off my soapbox now, and we'll go back to Andy. Yeah, I Andy? think everyone makes yeah, everyone makes a, I think, a good argument there, and, and honestly, I think everyone's in agreement there. You know, the, it's one thing to show, to, to speak to the point of personality too. It's one thing to have, you know, and show personality. I think fans like to see drivers that express themselves, but then there's there's a difference between showing that personality and being likable and going over the top. And I'm afraid that at times he goes over the top like he did last night, which I I think in turn is a turnoff for quite a few of us. Um, you know, that being said, you know, I think that there is probably a great deal of pressure on him this year to perform. It's, you know, I think some of the discussion that we all had last night pointed to this being a bit of a make or break year for him amongst other people in the Xfinity series. And certainly, you know, it's going to, you know, put him in a position to be overly aggressive, but, um, you know, being overly aggressive may get him in trouble when it may ultimately ultimately be a detriment to him moving forward. But, um, yeah, I, I think that at the end of the day, over-aggressiveness and extreme showmanship probably defined the win last night. And I know for me personally, wasn't a huge fan of it. Others may disagree, but, you know, I think he's going to have to make some changes moving forward if he wants to have a long-term career. Okay, Mike, you're up. Well, we've seen aggressive drivers in the past. Joey Logano came into the Cup Series in a Joe Gibbs ride in that 20 car replacing Tony Stewart when Tony started his own team. And Logano, in a lot of ways, Logano was very similar to the way Noah Grayson carries himself now. Logano was extremely aggressive. He took chances that probably exceeded his car control skill level at that point. He caused a lot of wrecks, and it eventually cost him a ride. He was fortunate in that he got a second chance at Team Penske. With the current uh, current makeup of the Cup Series and the fact that most of these high-profile rides have already had their turnover and they're already full, it's unlikely that Noah Gregson is going to get a second opportunity if he burns bridges in the first place. So if he's at Junior Motorsports and burns a bridge that could lead to Hendrick Motorsports and ends up missing that opportunity, that may be the opportunity that he has allowed pass him by through the way he conducts himself in the Xfinity Series. Okay, Jay. Well, as, as I put it uh, yesterday in our group messenger, uh, Ross Chastain has made similar statements. He celebrates by smashing the statement being, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to win races. He's ruffled <laughs> some feathers amongst other drivers. 
he celebrates by smashing the uh, the pumpkin. But yet he's a fan favorite, and everybody thinks he ought to get one of these top rides that available. I just don't understand where that difference is when, and I'm not saying they're exactly the same. I, you, you obviously see more humility, you guys mentioned. And, again, I'm not disputing that at all, that, that Noah Gregson needs to learn that a little, but I think he will. Um, but the other part of it, you see it in other drivers. Some are fan favorites and some are, are not, and I just don't understand what the difference is. Because they temper it. Uh, and Noah Gregson doesn't have that filter. So he's not he he does not have the maturity to temper it, uh, you know uh, that it comes off a lot differently when you think about Ross Chastain uh, in Victory Lane doing what he does and how he interacts with the fans and everything else. It's a lot different than the way Noah Gregson does that, and uh, it, there's a temper. There's there's a that little bit of humility that Ross Chastain has that Noah Gregson still hasn't developed that filter for, and and that's what I think fans are looking for. So that's a, about all I have to add to that. Any other comments? Well, you bring up Ross Chastain, and the thing about Ross Chastain, I think that he gets a little bit more of a pass with how he acts, at least in terms of celebration and whatnot is, yeah, he hasn't been in stock car racing, at least top-level stock car racing for very long, but he's got a background beyond that. He's been, you know, he was a watermelon farmer. You know, he's got that kind of backstory of, you know, he's, he's the dude you knew down the dirt road in your hometown kind of a guy, and I think that's what, uh, what appeals to people. Noah Gregson, I think, comes off more as a punk, arrogant kid, and I think that turns a lot of people off because he doesn't really have any other background to stand on. Now, with regard to how Ross Chastain races on the track, I kind of jokingly said in the chat room last year or last night that Ross Chastain was so 2019. And I'm not convinced that that's not partly a product of how he conducts himself on the racetrack. I think he did step on a lot of toes between how he raced in the Xfinity series and how he raced in the, uh, the truck series last year. Um, as well as you remember back to 2018, he dumped Kevin Harvick for the lead uh, because he got frustrated at Darlington that year. And ended, it basically uh, frustrated Kevin Harvick to the point where he no longer runs Xfinity series races. I think maybe Ross Chastain has stepped on the kind of toes that allow him to not get the kind of breaks on the racetrack that maybe he did previously. And that may be what's contributing to Ross Chastain's cooler performance this year. He hasn't been as strong in the Xfinity series and he did a nice job filling in for Ryan Newman in the point that he was there. He was able to step into the ride but he really didn't do anything with the ride. Ryan Newman has already gotten back into the six car and looks as good or better than Chastain ever did. Granted, Ryan Newman's a much more experienced veteran driver with that team, but for a hot driver like uh, Ross Chastain who's trying to audition for a Cup Series ride, I don't know that he turned too many heads in that six car. And I think a lot of it may have to do with he doesn't have those relationships, those good relationships with other drivers on the track or maybe they're not cutting him the kind of breaks that uh, another more well-respected driver would catch on the racetrack. I think that's a that's a good point. Any other thoughts there? I'd I'd hire Noah Gregson as a driver. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to okay. speak about Ross Chastain. Um, to speak about sure. Ross specifically too. I think why he appeals to the fans maybe more so than some others, even though he is aggressive. And I'll admit to Jay's point that he's 
can be just as aggressive as, as what we've seen out of Noah, you know, and there's been mistakes made on the racetrack, but Ross kind of came up through the hard way, the blue collar way. And I think that appeals to the old school fans, you know, and people that like to see a feel good, you know, underdog story. Gregson, to my knowledge, came in with money. So I think people view it a little bit differently just because one came in the hard way, one didn't. So, and I know that may open a can of worms with you guys, but that's just the way it is. That That is so true. Okay, Andy, what's your hot topic? Uh, well, I mean, another somewhat controversial finish. I think we have to talk about the cup race and the uh, the contact between Chase Elliott and Joey Logano. Okay, Mike, you want to start up on that one? Well, before Jay lays into me about Chase Elliott, I can you know I can never see any wrong with Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott <laughs> absolutely he overdrove that corner. Um, he couldn't make it stick. He got loose and took the twenty two car out with him. I see that as a little bit different than the uh, than the Gregson situation. Yes, it obviously was a driving mistake by Elliott, um, but. Like uh, kind of what Jay laid out with the uh, with the Allgaier situation, there wasn't really the precedent of, hey, I just saw this dude get loose doing the exact same thing in the previous lap. Let me try it and see if it works out for me. Um, Elliot had been making the bottom line work, and I think Elliot was driving at 100% on the bottom line and it was working. He went in there at maybe 101, and it didn't work for him. He washed up the track, and we saw what happened from there. Um, he came out of the car kind of conciliatory. Logano made it sound like he had to kind of extract it out of him, but let's be honest here. If there's anybody who really doesn't have anything to say about overly aggressive drivers racing for the win, it's probably Joey Logano. And if you don't believe me, ask Martin (laughs) Truex about that. Um, But that's more of a racing thing. And it ended up costing the nine car just as much as it cost the 22. And I think that's a big difference between, Elliot and Gregson as far as the outcome of that situation goes even if Elliot had made it work you know he bounces off the nine or the the 22 the 22 wrecks and the nine wins the race something tells me I don't think Chase Elliott would have burned down the house and uh and just kind of made an ass of himself in victory lane uh if that was the outcome of the race okay Jay you're up I I don't see a difference between the two well, okay, actually I do. Uh, we'll start with it again. You're exactly right. Chase Elliott made the move to the bottom. It just didn't hold. He slid up, and although he said it, the incident was his fault, I see it as a racing incident. You get loose on the bottom, and sometimes you lose control of the car. Understand at the top level you should have control of your car. We've seen it more times than not. That's just one where it didn't. So I didn't see a problem with the situation itself. I have a problem with how people view it and talk about the driver. And the one thing I will say is different is Noah Gregson did it and went on to win the race. Chase Elliott did not. So that's the difference I see there. But uh, you are right. Had Chase won the race, you're right. You're probably not going to see that type of celebration. But you don't – well, I take that back. Look at what he did at the Roval when he won that race. You know, stood on top of the car as it rolled down, down the hill. So we have seen other drivers do – I don't know if you want to call it excessive, but – more celebratory in a case like that had chase won by bumping somebody out of the way. I don't know if you have seen that as much, but the one thing that Mike and I will agree with here, Joey's got no room to talk. His statement has been before I'm an aggressive driver. It was for the win. If they come at me like that, I'd be okay with it. So 
this is a proof of somebody else needs to show some maturity because Joey was not okay with it. <laughs> okay. I, did you guys watch Race Hub by any chance today? I did. No, I didn't watch it, no. Okay. Well, they had Joey Logano on there, and he was uh, talking about after the incident on pit road. And if you remember on, um, during the race, uh, the, he kind of had his eye on Chase Elliott and Chase Elliott was kind of ignoring him at first. And then when they did make eye contact, um, uh, I think they, I think they ended up walking and meeting each other midway and, and started having a conversation. Uh, Joey was explaining today, he kind of halfway expected Chase Elliott to come up and say something to him versus uh, him having to meet him halfway for that com- conversation. Uh, so you're right. He he wasn't okay with it, and um, he he was expecting more from him. And I, a lot of that has to do, I think, with, and he, he kind of alluded to this, uh, how he came up through the ranks and the expectation of the drivers that he had those incidents with. Um and he was expecting a little bit more out of Chase Elliott. Uh, and Chase Elliott kind of said it was one of those racing deals. Um, you know, what do you want me to do? Uh, there was no apology. And uh, that kind of miffed Joey Logano even a little bit more. So it will be interesting to see what Chase Elliott has to say going forward. But, yeah, that was a little bit of an attitude from Chase Elliott. Um, uh, I, I I'm, I'm not. He is the most popular driver in NASCAR right now, so fans are going to forgive him. Um, but he can't afford to do that very often either. Uh, so it, it is going to be interesting uh, moving forward to see how that develops over time. I've got a feeling uh, that could be a budding rivalry uh, that's building up there. And if you think about it, Chase Elliott's stacking them up. Uh, just in the last, just since we've come back to racing after the COVID-19 pandemic. So I'm kind of curious to see how this continues to play out for the rest of the season because, uh, you know, it is going to be interesting to see if he can kind of temper that um, with his competitors because he could end up being, like you were talking, uh, what Nor Gregson is doing with his competitors and what Ross Chastain is doing with his competitors. Uh, Nor Gregson, um, Chase Elliott uh, might be headed down that same path if he uh, continues that as well. So, And I know Mike's not going to like what I just said, but that's okay. One other point I wanted to just make here is that uh, and I forgot to make this earlier when we were talking about uh, Justin Algauer and Noah Gregson. Just for the record, Justin Algauer said that he was blaming himself because he took himself off the bottom, preferred bottom line. And uh, he said if he had not done that, he didn't think there would have been an incident. So um, I will say Justin Algauer in the early going here is blaming blaming himself for taking himself out of that bottom line. But uh, let's go back around the horn here. Andy, we'll start with you. Yeah, just to, to get my thoughts on the whole thing, I mean, you know, much much like the Xfinity race, it was a, a, a pretty aggressive move. I 
kind of thought he cut a tire. I don't think know if that's been confirmed or not, honestly. Um, you know, but I think he just made a, a really aggressive move and got into the 22. But, you know, um, so that is similar to the Xfinity Series race. But um, I kind of actually – I took more issue with Logano's response. I mean, I, I kind of viewed it as whiny, almost expecting an apology. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just the way it goes sometimes, you know, and, um, but, um, you know, I'm sure they'll talk about it and figure it out because much like Gregson's situation, I think, you know, people might race chase a little bit differently, you know, if moves continue to be made like that moving forward, um, you know, but I, I don't know. I think when you look at Chase's position as the most popular driver and, and Joey Logano, who, you know, for some reason, him and Kieslowski from Penske are two of the most loathed drivers, I think, in the sport. So, you know, I think when you consider that the fans are on Chase's side, at least people will get behind him more. But um, I don't know. I looked at the incidents to me. To me, I looked at them as, as both very similar. They were both really aggressive moves trying to win a race. One won the race. One didn't. But like I said, I took more issue with, with you know, Joey's take on it after the race. I'm sure he was upset that he got wrecked. I think anyone would be. But, you know, I, I feel like he kind of made more of a mountain out of a molehill there that, you know, could, as somebody said, turn itself into a bit of a rivalry as the season goes on. And you know that those are two of the drivers that probably will be going very deep into the playoffs, if not the final four. So it'll be interesting to see if they can, uh, you know, curtail – the differences between them or if that becomes a problem moving for him into the playoffs. Kind of reminds me of uh, Tony Stewart. It was okay when he did it, but he didn't like it when other people did it to him. Uh, and Joey Logano was one of those people a few times. Um, Mike, your thoughts? Well, it's kind of funny that Joey Logano sounds like he expected Chase to come over and, and initiate the conversation with him. I don't remember him getting out of the car and running right to Martin Truex to apologize for what he did to him in Martinsville <laughs> in 2018. Yeah, he gets out of the car. Hey, you know, it's, it's sorry he's mad. It's a racing deal kind of a thing, and that's it. Um, so it's it's almost a little hypocritical on Logano's part to expect Chase to just run over there and immediately you know, no, please forgive me, please forgive me. It's 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 racing, man. It's and it's not just racing. It is the top level of stock car racing in the world. So for him to just expect this driver to come over and apologize to him, it's come on, man. Uh, Mike, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I've got a real quick just let fans know we're going to go off the air here in about 40 seconds, uh, but we will continue recording the rest of this conversation so that you can hear it on the podcast. Uh, if you've listened up to this point, just fast forward to the two-hour mark. I go out on Twitter, and uh, you, you'll you know that the podcast is available. Fast forward to that two-hour mark, and then you'll hear the rest of this conversation. So uh, I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead with your comments. Well, that's about all I've got on that one. It's it, it it kind of dovetails into the next hot topic I was going to bring up if we want to go down that road, or I could just leave it at that. Um, but Chase you know, Chase Elliott is emerging as one of the top drivers in the sport. He's obviously always been popular because of his name, because of his upbringing, because of taking over the 24 car for Jeff Gordon. But now we're really seeing Chase Elliott step out into his own, you know, be his own person, be his own driver within the series. And I think that is 
I'm not sure if, if it's threatening to the other drivers to the point where they kind of treated him with the kid gloves for the first few years, but now he's a legitimate threat to them week in and week out to win these races. I think we're going to see them treating him a little bit differently. Okay. Would you say the same thing about Noah Gregson? No. Noah Gregson's not a threat <laughs> to win every week. Noah Gregson's a threat <laughs> okay. to take you out every week. <laughs> okay. Jay? I'm so, I'm sorry. Was that me? Was that out loud? <laughs> that was you. You, did, you were out loud. <laughs> okay. Um, well, first off, there is one thing that that again I touched on, and I agree with with, with Mike. There is Joey Logano had no room to respond the way he did. Uh, like he said, he certainly wasn't running over to Martin Truex or anybody else for that matter to say I'm sorry. His answer was, "Hey, I went for the win. I'm going to keep doing that. If you got a chance to win a race and do it to me, I'll be okay with it." And he wasn't. Um, that another one of my hot topics was kind of what Mike was talking about there, but I see it as a di- little bit different perspective. He's saying Chase Elliott, you know, is, is a threat to other drivers. I see it as him being a little more aggressive and uh, not necessarily want to use the word cocky, but um, getting to that point of, Hey, I got a car. I know I can win with, I'm going to take that chance. And if it don't work, so be it. So the, which was what some people refer to Noah Gregson as. So, that's kind of where I see it going is on Chase Elliott's end, not on the other driver's end. Yeah, I do see Chase Elliott being a little bit more cocky this year than what we've seen him before. It's good to see him not be so hard on himself as he, as we have seen him be in the past uh, because it was almost morose how hard he was on himself. But I I do think that he is on a borderline here uh, that could tip tip him in a different direction, not only with his peers, uh, but perhaps even with his fans in in the long run if it continues. Because just like we're talking about Noah Gregson, uh, yeah, Chase Elliott's got a little bit of a history there, but but he showed a little bit of attitude this weekend, I think. And um, and when I think about it, the, all the incidents that have happened with him. Since we've come back from COVID-19, they're they're stacking up. (laughs) And uh, at some point, uh, he's got to stop that momentum as well. So, and like like you say, he took himself out in this case. So, he he didn't really gain anything on this one. Um, Okay. Um, Mike, you mentioned that you had something to... uh, kind of piggyback on this. So we'll go to you and then Jay, you'll be up next. What's your hot well, topic? It kind of comes along with you. Chase Elliott is stepping out of his shell a little bit. Uh, for the, the first three, four years of his Cup Series career, he's been kind of the reserve, the quiet, the humble driver. Um, and that's probably been the biggest criticism of not just Chase, but a lot of NASCAR drivers in general, but particularly Chase Elliott, was we want to see these drivers show more personality. You get an interview with Chase Elliott and as popular as he is, listen to him talk was about as exciting as getting socks from grandma for Christmas. So we've seen a little bit, we've seen a little bit more personality out of Chase Elliott this year, you know, showing the gentleman's salute to Kyle Busch after he wrecked him at Dar- uh, Darlington, uh, beating Kyle Busch and then doing the, uh, the flag bow, uh, you know, Kyle Busch's signature bow um, in the truck race at Charlotte. Um, and then we see this as well. So it, it comes back to the question, well, 
do you want more personality out of these drivers or do you want them to be the sterile, bland, you know, corporate friendly type entities? And it, there's, it absolutely needs to be some sort of a balance, but I don't necessarily dislike what I'm seeing out of Chase Elliott right now. Obviously, if it goes too far, then it's going to go too far. Um, I'm glad to see a little bit more of his personality shine versus the any PR guy could just write whatever script he was saying, and if the words weren't coming out of Chase's mouth, you wouldn't know he said it kind of a thing. Okay, Jay. Well, I'm a, I'm a little confused here, so I'm going to need Mike to clarify it. Noah Gregston climbing the fence and doing burnouts was rubbing it in the face of somebody he just beat on the track. Chase Elliott doing a signature bow of another driver after beating him was cheered. I I don't see where the difference there is. Act like you've been there before, I think, was what I was told. So that's where, well, where I have the issue. That's where I have the issue. I don't have a problem with either one of them. I don't like the fact that fans react differently when it is the exact same thing. And I do think Sharon is on something there that Chase Elliott's on-track actions, as well as the off, is getting a little bit bolder and more aggressive. And there again, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but just because he's the most popular driver, his name is Elliot, that fans are going to cheer him, whereas if Noah Gregson does it or Kyle Busch does it, they get booed and, and the anti-people come out of the woodwork. That's where, where I get frustrated. I, I enjoy all of it. I, I would like to see driver show personality, whether his name be Elliot or Gregson. I think the big difference with Elliot and the truck race was the only reason he was in that truck race is because there was a bit of a call to action. Hey, you guys come down here and you beat Kyle Busch, and he did. And he didn't just beat Kyle Busch, he beat him clean. Unless I'm looking at the wrong race results, Kyle Busch finished second behind Chase Elliott, and neither truck had damage from an incident on the track with each other. That's the big difference I see. If, if Noah Gregson had won that race cleanly and hadn't just wrecked his teammate a couple, uh, couple laps prior, it would have been a completely different story to celebrate in the way that Noah did. But the fact that he had wrecked his teammate in order to win that race, that's where I see the difference in Noah Gregson's behavior versus Chase Elliott's behavior at the Charlotte truck race. Okay, Andy, let's hear your thoughts. Yeah, I just had to go get a bowl of popcorn there as I listened to the debate uh, between you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I want to, you know, just speak to the point of, you know, what how the fans typically react. And I think that there is, to some degree, um, obviously some favoritism. I think that, you know, because of Chase Elliott being who he is, no matter what he does, people will cheer it. And then, you know, someone like Gregson, who people may not be quite as behind, you know, they're probably going to lose it. I think we've seen incidents like that with Kyle Bush in the past, too. Kyle does it. It's frowned upon. Someone else does it. It's okay. So, unfortunately, that's just the nature of fans liking a certain driver and not liking a certain driver. Um, but I think at the at the end of the day, the incidents in both of those races were quite similar, you know, going for a win and super aggressive driving created those incidents. I, I think that they're pretty pretty much the same thing, you know, in both cases. It just happened that one of them was against a teammate and one wasn't. Yeah, I agree. I, I see some similarities there, I think. And, and like I say, I'm seeing a trend starting to develop here as well. 
and that's part of what concerns me. At first, I was kind of really happy for Chase Elliott. I know he's worked hard to get those victories and and uh, and everything, but then I started thinking, well, wow, this happened at uh, Darlington, this happened at Charlotte, and now this is what's happened at Bristol, and it just seems like things are starting to pile up there. So um, and then and then the response to uh, Chase Ell- or to um, Joey Logano, uh, you know, and, and the conversation that we're having about Noah Gregson. There there are some similarities here, and uh, and you're right, Andy. It just depends on which side of the fence you're standing, whether you're a fan or you're you're a fan of the guy who got hurt, or you're a fan of the guy that benefited. And and that a lot of times is what makes the difference in how fans perceive it. But I do think that when drivers start trending, you guys have heard me say this so many times. First time's an accident, second time's coincidence. By the time you do it a third time, you've, you're starting to develop a habit now, and and that's where I think um, you know people start noticing, such as myself. You start noticing that, wow, this seems to be starting to be a trend and not just an incident. And and speaking of that, again, I'm, I'm just a, there's been a lot of mistakes, and uh, it just seems like a lot of mistakes all the way around. We've had Joey Logano make mistakes. We've had uh, Jimmy Johnson make mistakes. Uh, Kyle Busch made mistakes. Uh, Noah Gregson. All these drivers are making a mistake. After a while, I think that's going to be kind of tone deaf <laughs> because these are supposed to be the top-notch guys. And, yeah, everybody makes a mistake, and we're coming back from a long break and all of that. I get that. But when does it start becoming just an excuse? It's, it's a convenient excuse to kind of get out of the consequences. And that's where I have a little bit of a concern. So we can go back around one more time, Mike. Well, I'm just looking at Twitter right now, and uh, somebody had posted some negative stuff about Alan Gustafson, and uh, kind of the some drivers came to their defense. First, Mark Martin comes in and talks about how Alan took a 50-year-old driver uh, and gave him seven wins and uh, or seven poles and five race wins, uh, and then Chase Elliott comes along and replies to Mark. Or some private school dumbass from North Georgia can win seven races in Cup. It takes a special guy to make that happen. I promise. So again, we're seeing we're seeing Chase maybe throw a little bit more shade out there. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I think there's going to be some people who do, but it's starting to echo in here. It's going to come down to whether you like the guy or not. Um, believe it or not, Jay, I am a Chase Elliott fan. So I don't have a problem with him yeah. uh, with him stepping out a little. Yeah, exactly. Clutch those pearls a little Shocking. tighter. <laughs> okay, Jay. Well, and and I'm a Chase Elliott fan too. But again, just as when we talked about rules, I don't think rules ought to be exempted because you're a fan of somebody. You know, if an incident is wrong, it's wrong. And the one thing that Mike keeps referring to Noah Gregson taking his team out, teammate out, I disagree with that. And I'll get to Sharon's take on something else in a minute, but you go back to the Martinsville race. Denny Hamlin took Chase Elliott out, lifted his rear end up off. Chase could not drive his car anymore. That is taking somebody out. Then you have the bump and run where you nudge somebody, get them a little loose and go buy them. 
And then you have what happened in these incidences where you were under them and it was going to be a clean pass. You just lost your car. I think there are three different, very different examples of how a wreck happens. And I do not view Noah Gregson as taking his teammate out. He lost control of the car and they wrecked and it caused his teammate to end up out. Yes. I'm not disputing that and whether or not he should have held his car and had control of it or not been down there or Elgar could have been up, up a little bit more. That's all another debate. Um, I know Sharon's not a big fan of even the bump and run, which I am okay with. Again, if it's a bump and run, not a take them out. Because if you can get to them and bump them, obviously you do have a little bit faster car or can catch them. Um, The bump and run, I am okay with. I do not like the taking out of somebody. And whether it be my favorite driver or not, if it happens that somebody has a slip up or loses their car, I mean, that's racing. I mean, that is what provides, and Mike, you, you like to use it of, oh, it was a boring race. I don't know if I'd go with where Brad went that these mistakes, you know, provide for better racing. I don't want to see everybody out there, like Sharon <laughs> said, just making mistakes and making excuses and be like, oh, it's okay. But, you know, that that does add to the racing, whether it be intention or a mechanical mistake, if a tire comes off, you know, causes a wreck. Obviously, there's some action there. Whether it's a driver loses the car, it gets loose underneath somebody. So it does add something to it, but I don't want to see it be the norm either. Okay, Andy? Um, to be honest, I don't really have much to follow up on it. Um, Let's keep eating um, that popcorn. That's right. I'm enjoying the show. <laughs> um, I guess the only the only thing I can really kind of throw in there, though, is I, I guess I disagree to some degree about, you know, you know, whether we, we deemed it that he took his teammate out or not. I think he did. I mean, it was a mistake that took his teammate out. No, I don't think he went into the corner and intentionally just tried to wreck his teammate, but you know, he, he went in the corner and he made an aggressive move and he took his teammate out. And I think that, you know, there will be repercussions from that. And very similar to what happened to chase when he got hit, uh, and by Kyle Bush and Kyle said it was a mistake. And he said, it doesn't change the fact that it hurt my team. Okay. And it doesn't change the fact that it hurt Justin Algauer's and his team. So, again, the similarities here are, are almost remarkable because it's exactly the same thing. Kyle Bush said he made a mistake. He took out Chase Elliott. Now you've got Chase, uh, not Chase Elliott, but Noah Gregson taking out, uh, uh, what's his name, Justin Algauer, and I think he learned from Kyle Busch. It was a mistake. (laughs) So (laughs) it's okay because it was a mistake. So I don't know. I I just, I'm seeing a lot of trends developing, and I'll give them the one time it's an accident, second time it's a coincidence, third time it's a habit. Rule of thumb. Okay, uh, Jay, I think you're up for a hot topic here. All right. Well, I know we went off the uh, actual broadcast, and I don't know if he's still in the chat room, but uh, I got big in here. To I was hoping to get a little bit of input from him. Sharon and I talked about this on Friday, kind of leading into this, and coincidentally, I went to Huntsville Speedway, which is an asphalt track, and Biggin said, I believe Bowman Gray in uh, Carolina also does this. If you guys aren't familiar with what's called a choose cone when it comes to setting a restart lineup, you put a cone out there, and as the cars come by, they get to choose. 
And for the example I'll give from Huntsville, which I, I just can't believe it. We ended up at Huntsville, and when, since Sharon and I talked about this on Friday, I'd never seen it in action, and you know I got to see it Saturday night. So the coincidence there is unbelievable. But it was a bottom lane track. That's where the groove was. That's where everybody was trying to run. So as the cars come by, the top four or five go to the bottom. That sixth-place car, you know, each driver gets to make their option. That sixth-place car chose to go to the outside, basically gets to start seconds, although he is in the high side. Oh, you're talking about um, lining up in, the cars after the restart. Right. When they, instead, of, instead of saying, hey, you got to go here, you were here, you got to go there, as they come by, they get to choose. So five cars go to the inside, cause, bottom lane, because that's where the groove's at. That sixth car goes to the outside, gets to move all the way up to second. And so it's up to the drivers as they come by to make that commitment. Um, in that case, I believe there were roughly 10 or 12 cars in that one, and it was about sixth place that I saw do it. Each time he gained a position by it. He was still a slower car, and he was in the high groove, so he would slide back. But every time they restarted, he had gained a position or two, and he didn't have to do it by bumping and grinding in the bottom groove. And, again, he didn't quite have as good a car as those other guys. By the end of the race, he had moved up to fourth. So there has been some talk, and again, uh, as Biggin pointed out, uh, Bowman Gray, which has a NASCAR sanction to it, uh, utilizes it there. So the possibility of using something like that at the top level of NASCAR and putting it in the driver's hand of where they want to start. Uh, what your thoughts on that were? And if Andy, I don't know, I thought you had mentioned it before that you had seen it, uh, but just what your what your perspective on that kind of rule is. I mean, okay. I've heard of, I've certainly heard of it before. Um, I, you know, and I'm glad that you explained it the way that you did because I really didn't know a lot about it. But it makes a lot of sense, and it probably would would simplify the restart process. I mean, we've seen time and time again how sometimes there's a bit of a struggle to get the lineup correct, and you know, you could really kind of make it really simple if you just leave it up to the drivers. And you know, honestly. There, there's some strategy to it because to your point, you know, at a track like Darlington, you know, the upper groove is going to be preferred every time, but you could make up, you know, four to five positions on a, on a restart by taking the bottom lane and, you know, getting a gap and sliding up to the upper groove. So, I mean, there's, there's strategy involved in it and it probably makes things simple. So, you know, with any luck, maybe we'll see it into the national series at some point. I think it's a good idea. Mike. I don't know. I've kind of got mixed feelings about it. I I get that it works at tracks like Bowman, Grant Huntsville, and whatnot, but the last thing the Cup Series needs is more rules. There are already just a, a, a multitude of it, and it strikes me as – I think this all started with Austin Dillon talking about it on Twitter. Um, and maybe it's my anti-Austin Dillon bias coming out, but I don't know. I just see it as another <laughs> thing that – you know. No matter what, drivers are going to find something to complain about. I think they're probably number two on the list of people who will complain about literally anything behind only pilots. Um, no matter how good they've got it, no matter how many things might favor them, they'll find something else to complain about. And if they throw the choose cone in there, I'm sure you're going to have just as many people complaining about going back the other way, uh, whether it's fans or whether it's drivers. Um, I think the double file restart was probably one of the better changes that NASCAR made. Uh, it got a lot of the uh, the lap traffic out of the way, and it also made for more exciting restarts uh, throughout the series. Does it disadvantage some drivers at certain tracks? Absolutely. 
Um, but you still see games get played uh, on pit road, for example, where a driver will check up to allow somebody else to go by them in order to get that preferred restart position. So it's not entirely out of the driver's hands. Um, and I think adding an additional layer of complication to it is just going to give somebody else something to complain about. And, and whether it benefits them and somebody else is complaining about them getting benefited or they didn't get what they want and they're going to be complaining about it too. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit mixed on it as well. One, I've never really seen it, so I feel a little bit handicapped as far as giving an opinion about it. But my thought, as you're kind of describing how this works, um, is a couple of things. Exactly what Mike just brought up. A lot of the drivers don't like a lot of changes. Uh, I'll bring up the the handguns for the change in the tires. Boy, did we hear about that. Um, I think the same thing would happen if you changed that to the, what do you call it, the choose cone or the cone choose. Um, that That is going to be a little bit uh, different for them to have to make an adjustment to it. The other thing is, is that, yeah, it might help some of the lower-funded guys to kind of make up some positions and gain some points and all of that. But what I kind of envision happening, because we've already heard some of the drivers complain about it, um, almost to a point of uh, insulting <laughs> the other drivers on the track, um, you know, when they have to race around uh, one of the back markers, they, they don't like it. <laughs> and now you're putting them right up front on a restart. Uh, I don't think they're going to like it there either. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if it would work in the NASCAR's highest tiers, but, um, again, I feel a little bit handicapped only because i am not really seen it in action. So, Jay, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Well, like I mentioned, I saw it when, the, when they did the, the lower classes at the track. Uh, it had about 12 cars. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was a series, the late models that ran had about 17 cars, and that series apparently does not use it, even though they were at that track. So I wanted to see it in the late model race, but they didn't do it there, and I don't know exactly why. Uh, like I said, I don't know if that's that the series doesn't follow that forever, but... Um, I don't think you have to worry as much as, much as the back markers because you're going to see it with, the, say, the top 10. You think about how many times we've seen it where a fast car, for whatever reason, a slow pit stop just gets shuffled on pit road. So you're going to see guys in the top 10 and 12 utilize it. Um, and it's not going to be that it's a slow car that stayed out and didn't take tires or, or something like that as much. Um, again, those cars being that they are obviously slower and for a reason, they're going to go backwards. Um, regardless, but again, just even say you go four or five positions and like Mike referenced, you referenced, they're doing it on pit road now, trying to get in that lane. They have the choice to me. It's not adding rules. It's making it real simple driver. Choose what lane you want to start in. You can start in fifth on the inside, or you can start first on the outside, outside the leader. It's simple. It will add some great strategy, but I don't see it being confusing at all. And, again, I did have that opportunity to see it, and I, I do kind of like it. It would be intriguing to see it when you have a 20, 30, 40-car field. Like I said, the most I saw it with was, I believe, up to 12. Um, and it certainly made it interesting. I can't say that I saw any big wrecks or problems because of it. 
Again, that car that was a little bit slower did eventually get worked their way back. Once they once one restart, they did manage to get into the bottom groove. But then that faster car gave them a nudge once or twice and got by them, you know, because they can't hold the bottom, and that's why they're not running as good. So, um, But it wasn't ever a major concern as far as having the slowest car out there in front of the fastest cars. And, again, you're going to see at the cup level or at the Xfinity or trucks, five or six go to the preferred lane. Seventh place, it's not that they're that far out to lunch that them being up there isn't going to cause a major hindrance. And, again, they're in the outside or opposite groove of what's the preferred lane, so if they can't handle it, they're going to go right back where they were. Okay. Any follow-ups, Andy? Uh, No, I'm good. Mike? Nothing. (laughs) And I kind of feel the same way. I guess because I, I think, one, we've kind of covered it all, and two, again, I, I just haven't seen it. I think, is, is Jay the only one who's seen this in action? Have you seen it, Mike? I have not. Andy? Uh, no, I've never seen it used before. I've only heard of it, but never actually seen it in any form of racing. Yeah, I think I think that makes it hard for us to to see it from the maybe the same perspective as you, Jay. Well, and like I said, when I brought it up on Friday, again, I had to, had the idea of the concept, but seeing it in in action definitely uh put it into a more clear perspective um of how it exactly works and what you see from it. Like I said, I really would have liked to seen it in the late model race where there were 20 20 cars. Um, to see how much it would shift versus that lower class with only 12 cars. Like I said, I think it was sixth place that I saw do it multiple times. Okay. All right. Um, uh, Let's see. I think we've been around the horn here, right? Everybody's had a hot topic tonight? Okay. So let's let's go ahead and do our roundtable. Jay will go in reverse this time uh let's start with you on the uh round table here all right you can follow me on michael hoosman on facebook mopar mj8 on twitter and instagram and i believe this weekend what is this is the sixth yes we'll be up at clay hill speedway up in somewhere around atwood tennessee not exactly sure the town name but clay hill speedway going to be doing some announcing there and possibly some things with the Mid-South Big Ten. I'll find out more on that tomorrow. Uh, a lot of lot of racing action going on around, though. I know Magnolia Motor Speedway, home of the Black Ice, is running. Uh, as we get through this uh, coronavirus thing and tracks are opening back up, you'll be seeing a lot more dirt track from me as well. Okay. Uh, Mike? Well, I'm Mike Orzel on Twitter, Mike underscore, or Mike underscore uh, Orzel on Twitter, Mike Orzel on Facebook. I uh, just got an article go live on fanforracing.com talking about the next entry into the lottery, the sweepstakes, if you will, for the number 48 car, uh, discussing whether Kyle Larson might be the driver who ends up in that 48 car. So look for that live on fanforracing.com. Um, I should be spending this weekend – uh, underneath my outstanding 1994 Thunderbird 24-hour lemons race car, trying to get that garbage running. Um, good luck to <laughs> all involved on that one. Uh, and who knows what my future racing plans are beyond that. Okay, Andy. 
And for me on uh, Twitter, Alasky14, and um, not really sure what I'm going to do the rest of the week. This is the largest gap we've had in any racing activity. Um, thankfully, know. had some time off of work here, so just kind of hanging out and enjoying the uh, the racing that we have, and definitely looking forward to um, all three series in Atlanta this weekend. Okay. Uh, and I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else. Uh, and, of course, fanforracing.com is our website. Uh, if you're listening to the broadcast, uh, we will have the uh, player up at fanforracing.com. Please feel free to comment in the chat room if you have any uh, comments to what we had to say or uh, any questions about what we had to say. Uh, and uh, we'll be happy to respond to that. Now, um, I do want to do a shout-out to our listeners. I appreciate all of everybody taking the time to hear what we have to say and uh, to check out our our website. Uh, We did put the Part 2 up of the Number 48 series, and uh, there was a Part 1 in case uh, you did not uh, get a chance to read that. It's examining the Dark Horse candidates. So uh, this is part two of that series, uh, looking at Kyle Larson. Uh, and uh, I know, Andy, you're probably going to have a hot topic for this week. Yeah, for sure. I'll have something out. I'm not exactly sure what yet, but definitely we'll have something here a little bit later in the week. Okay, and I know Owen is working on the uh, winners and losers, as well as the next power ranking for the NASCAR Cup Series. Sam does a great job with the uh, recaps every week. And uh, I don't know, Jay, uh, are you working on anything yet? Well, I just put it up during the group messenger. It was one that I'd looked at earlier in the season. Um, some of the comments made by Brad Keselowski, I know it kind of ties into what Mike's doing with the possibility of the ride of the 48, but also where those Team Penske's are at. So I'll continue to look at that and see what uh, how that goes. Okay, and uh, I will continue to uh, get the uh, recaps up uh, from the NASCAR Wire and the information that they send to us. Jay and I will be back on air this Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That's provided there's, uh, well, there's no racing in between now and then. So I guess I don't have to worry about rainouts this week. (laughs) There you go. And then we'll have our hot topics, uh, of course, at 10 o'clock as well. So, again, thank you for listening. We appreciate everybody. And uh, definitely looking forward to uh, the weekend of racing at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, Take care, everybody. We'll call that a wrap. Good night. We'll talk to you Thursday. Good night, guys. Good night.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.